Hello everyone and welcome to Manga Mavericks, the podcast where we discuss manga as both a medium and as an industry. I'm Lamariyasha, and indeed, today we're having a long overdue conversation about the manga industry, specifically concerning its largest publisher and brand, Shonen Jump, and its culpability in perpetuating sexism in both its workplace culture and its editorial offices and in the series it publishes, and even more specifically, how it's been enabling and rehabilitating not one, not two, but three non-pedophiles. When I say this podcast is long overdue, I mean it. We originally recorded this way back last August, back when news of Octodge writer Tatsuya Monsky's arrest, her groping two female Mosco students broke, and the ensuing fallout. Dejected and infuriated about the news, we gathered on friends of ours who previously loved Act Dodge and were similarly furious at Jump's terrible history with sex pests to wit our criticisms of the magazine. These guests being Your Anime Guy, Rin Reads Manga, and Kendra from the My Hero Anime Podcast and View from the Top Haikyuu Podcast. For context, we recorded this podcast on August 22nd, 2020, two weeks after Monsky's arrest broke. And before everything that happened afterward. I bring this up because the Moski story has gone through a lot more developments since then than we have reported on among members already, but before going into our discussion, I felt I should recap here. To start at the beginning, on August 8, 2020, Tatya Moski was arrested on suspicion of groping a middle school girl back on June 18th having approached her from behind, riding his bicycle, and then fleeing the scene. The girl reported the incident to the police, who analyzed security camera footage and saw a similar incident happen with a different middle school girl an hour later. When arrested, Monsky said there was generally nothing incorrect with her accusations. The day following Monsky's arrest, Shoei and Viz released a statement announcing Act Oj's cancellation. But Viz not even bothering to release the last chapter to be published and just taking the series down outright. In the statement, Jump's editorial department apologized for disappointing fans because they canceled the series, but claimed they're taking Mosky's arrest very seriously. Though, curiously, they avoided mentioning what he was arrested for, and they did not apologize to his victims. Still, quickly after releasing their statement, Octodge was completely removed from this media's website, Manga Plus, and Shueisha's Japanese Jump websites. The series was also delisted from all online retailers like Amazon, all sales were discontinued, and future release dates and printings of the volumes were cancelled with a massive worldwide recall of the books taking place. A few days after we recorded this podcast on August 25th, 2020, Shiro Sasaki posted a statement on Monsky's arrest and Octodge's cancellation, unambiguously acknowledging and showing her support for the victims, stating that she urged the cancellation and discontinuation of the series so that they would not trigger dramatic reactions. She told fans to be considerate of the victims' feelings, that it is not their fault, and they were brave for speaking up about the harassment. And she hopes they will be able to live peaceful lives without ever thinking about this incident again. We'll link Cardrill's translation of her statement in the show notes. 
But it's an important message, well worth reading, and one of the strongest condemnations of a sex text in the manga industry I've ever seen written, because certainly Jump themselves did not write such a strong statement. All the Japanese Jump Twitter account did was just retweet her statement and say, read this. Again, without actually commenting on the situation itself. Throughout this episode of the podcast, you'll hear us worry about Uzuzaki's career and wish to see another manga from her, and luckily, our prayers were answered on that front. Uzuzaki has actually had a lot of positive publicity in recent months thanks to a series of high-profile illustration jobs, most notably in the Japanese Playboy, which has no relation to the American magazine of the same name, just if you were wondering, and has been interviewed about her career and promoted as one of the most promising new artists in the manga scene today. And finally, that she returned to Weekly Shonen Jump in late December, partnered with writer Osamu Shikawa for the one-shot Flamite Cyclops. Sadly, Wiz did not publish and translate this one-shot for English leaders, but we're still glad to see Yusuzaki return to manga so quickly after Octopus's unceremonious cancellation, and that she still has a lot of support and a bright future for her career. Unfortunately, we cannot say we're thrilled with how Matsuki's case has played out following his arrest. On December 17th, Matsuki was formally indicted for the second groping incident. Curiously, he was not prosecuted for the first, the one reported by the first victim, and we still have no reason for why. Matsuki appeared before the Tokyo District Court in late November, admitting to the charges and seeking a suspended sentence, arguing that he'd already been punished enough by society because his series was cancelled and whatnot. Matsuki's justification for molesting a girl? Two girls? Well, he said he had anxiety he bottled up inside, making him desperate, and that he had a complex towards women that led him to act out on a stranger, while acknowledging that there's no way to apologize for what he did to the victim. So I guess he's not going to do anything and just continue living consequence-free? Well, that certainly looks to be the case, because a month later, on December 23rd, the district court sentenced him to a year and a half in prison, but suspended the sentence for three years. Meaning, if Mosky remains in good behavior for three years, he's not going to serve time in prison. And that's where we're at with that. As you'll hear in the conversation proper, we'd hoped that he would serve time in prison, or at least suffer some real consequences for what he did beyond just the series' cancellation, but much like Shimitsu Toshi Shimabukuro and Oberhara Watsuki before him, he basically got off with a slap on the wrist and is on the road to yet another quick Forgive and forget from society. Unfortunately, the Matsuki situation is not the only bad news we've had involving pedos working for Jump in these past few months. Lord knows, we never could have predicted all the crap that's happened since we've recorded this podcast in August, with some of our worst fears being realized. First off, in mid-November, Mitsutoshi Shimabuka returned to showing Jump with his new series Build King, with Wiz running a simulpub for it, and thankfully it looks like the series is not very popular and is headed towards a quick cancellation, but still, running a new series from your very first sex offender, a mere three months after one of your mangaka was arrested for molesting girls, certainly sends a message of apathy on the part of Jump's editorial team towards the safety and comfort of their young female readers. 
and this tone deafness worsened in late January when they set up an exhibit commemorating the 25th anniversary of Roni Kenshin, where 14 prominent mangaka, including the likes of Eichiro Oda, Masashi Kishimoto, Hideaki Sarachi, Yusei Matsuri, Hiroki Takei, and so many others, wrote messages praising Watsuki and Kenshin for a mural in the exhibit. Watsky, if you recall, was convicted in late 2017 for possessing thousands of child porn DVDs featuring elementary school-age kids, him even admitting to liking girls in late elementary school to mid-middle school, and if hearing that doesn't make you nauseous and want to throw up, well, I... I don't know what's wrong with you, and I certainly don't know what the hell these high-profile, very influential creators are doing, trolling their support around such a disgusting creep. But it's not just Japanese creators who've let us down. In early December, former Jujutsu Kaisen translator Stefan Kosa was arrested for five counts of child porn possession and distribution. News of his arrest broke when it was officially reported in the Herndon Police Department Weekly Crime Report. Soon after, it came to light that this wasn't even the first time Kozer was arrested for being a creep. He was previously arrested when he was still in JET program back in Japan in the summer of 2014, under suspicion for trespassing into an elementary school girl's locker room at the school he was teaching in, and secretly reporting videos of them with a hidden digital video camera. The school's principal and vice principal tried to cover it up, not reporting it for a month after the camera was discovered until a student filed a criminal complaint a month later. Even after it was discovered, they claimed no recordings were taken, but reports spread among the students and families, and eventually the truth had to come out. And suspiciously, Stefan left the JET program soon after his arrest and release, and went back to America, where... He then began his career in translation with none of us the wiser about his misdeeds. Stefan's court date was on March 3rd, but as of yet we don't know what his sentence will be. We've talked about this incident at length in a previous podcast, but suffice to say this news was particularly horrifying and nauseating to us as people who had Stefan on this show as a guest and regularly engaged with him on social media and watched and promoted his content. To say we felt disgusted, used, and betrayed is putting it lightly to say the least. After hearing this news, we immediately took down our podcast featuring him and re-edited all our content, all our podcasts mentioning him to excise any traits of him from our show, and we apologize for ever giving him a platform. And that about recaps where we're at with Shonen Jump's sex with problem in just these past seven months. I wanted to mention all this beforehand to address events we couldn't have possibly predicted when we recorded this podcast, because seriously, I can't believe how much worse it's only gotten since then. It's astonishing bewildering how many stories involving Jump and pedophiles have propagated lately in just the last half a year, and even if this podcast was recorded before many of these stories occurred, I think our conversation addresses a lot of ever-relevant points about what Jump's done wrong in the past when it comes to dealing and taking responsibility for offending manga and their employee and their culpability in perpetuating a sexist culture that attracts such suspects to work for them. I hope you'll listen to our criticisms and calls to action with an open mind, and that this will be part of a continuing conversation calling a jump in any institution that feels comfortable in perpetuating sexist attitudes and 
danger and victimize women and children. Also, please keep in mind this is not our be-all, end-all podcast for calling out sexism in the anime and manga industry as a whole either. This podcast was recorded in response to the Monsky News, so we approached this topic from the perspective of the shortage of an act on trans specifically. But there are more angles to the problem of sexism in this industry and community than we could address from that lens in this podcast, and that's a much bigger, broader conversation that will require us to gather a lot more voices to give you input. And we intend to follow up on this podcast and address those necessary points and perspectives in the future. So, with all that context and those disclaimers given, well, there's no clean way to transition into a conversation this heavy. And I've kept you all waiting seven months too long already. So, let's just jump in. On August 8, 2020, Tatsuya Matsuki, the writer of Dodge, was arrested for molesting a teenage girl in early June. Two girls, in fact, one hour after each other. In response to this, the series was promptly cancelled by Shueisha and Shonen Jump and pretty much all uh, franchise-related stuff to Octodge was cancelled in the week after. This was not, of course, the first time that this has happened at Shonen Jump where a writer, a mangaka, had been discovered to be a sexual predator. Literally, 18 years prior, on August 8, 2002, Mitsutoshi Shimabukuro was similarly arrested for repeatedly engaging in sexual encounters with teenage girls. And his series, at that time, Sekimatsu and Takeshi, was also cancelled. However, Shimabukuro eventually found his way back into the pages of Shonen Jump after a mere probationary period, and only two years of not getting any work at Shueisha, he returned in 2004 with a series Ring, and then eventually created Toriko in 2008 in Shonen Jump, which got licensed and distributed overseas and ran for like eight years. And of course, only a few years ago, in 2017, Nobuhiro Watsuki was outed as a pedophile when he was discovered to be in possession of over 100 DVDs of child porn. And his series, at that time, was only put on hiatus, and returned a mere seven months later in Jump Square, with very few repercussions outside of a $2,000 fine. Jonah Jump has had a repeated problem with sexual predators being in their employ, and a failure to respond to them appropriately. And this reflects a larger issue of a sexist culture in their editorial offices that has been very well documented. And, of course, the problematic sexual content of their series. Series created by adults aimed towards very young readers. And we are here to talk about these problems that Shonen Jump has had with sexual predators in their play, with sexism in their editorial offices and in their series. And we have invited on today people who were very affected by the act of cancellation as fans and also people who are advocates for 
better practices at Jump for Jump to do better. First, we'd like to invite on your anime guy, who runs a number of different uh, accounts promoting various Shonen Jump series, like Promise Neverland, Time Paradox Ghost Rider, Spy Family, and also is the host of the In Progress podcast. That is me. We'd also like to have on uh, Kendra, who is the host of the My Hero Academia podcast and View from the Top IQ podcast. I am here! Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I, I did it earlier too, but I gotta do it again. Well, that was off the call. So yes, it, thank you for being here. Like All Mike, you're here to help save the day. Thank you for having me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Light in a dark world. And also, we're delighted to have on Rin Reads Manga, a friend of ours from Twitter, who is a big haiku and Yona the Don enthusiast. Uh, hi. I don't have any great contributions like these two people here, but I am on Twitter. So if you <laughs> want to look at the things I post there, like, go ahead, I guess. Yeah. And... Again, we wanted to have all you guys on because we know you were big Octodge fans, and this situation with Tatsumatsu was a huge betrayal. And I thought it would be good for this episode to discuss these issues in this response to this event to bring on fans to kind of discuss like how we felt when this news happened, and then how we have felt in general about how Shonen Jump has handled these situations and, you know, kind of repeated stories of how they have dealt with issues of sexism, sexual exploitation in their series and at the editorial offices. So I guess that's where I want to start, is, like, when this news broke, like, how did we feel in the moment? Like, what was our thinking and what did we think that Shoeisha was going to do based on their track record? I just got immediately depressed. I did Same. forget to mention that V-Lord, of course, is also here. And oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> yes, you know V-Lord, of course, is a regular <laughs> on this show, host of Among Rats and Movies, co-host of Among Rats and Movies, but also host of the Demon Slayer podcast, uh, an upcoming podcast, and of course, the sadly now canceled Doc Dodge podcast. I mean, there's oh, an obvious rip. reason why you are yeah. on V-Lord. I feel like every time I'm on here, we forget to actually introduce me. That is kind of a given, I sometimes feel. Uh, I think on the Haikyuu podcast, I joked with Marion that they were cursed at any podcast they have about something, it ends. But then, and they're like, oh no, what happened for Octage? And then it did. Yeah. Hopefully our next project doesn't have that issue. Yeah. Like, so. uh, you are also... Doing another Shonen Jump related podcast in the future on another Shonen Jump series. So I, I guess it's sort of Shonen Jump related. It's not well, not that anymore. is true. The series is no longer affiliated, but it it ran. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I yeah. Mean, that's just a little tease for you to look out for that whenever that is going to happen. Cough, Kadansha. But yeah, we <laughs> <laughs> Lord, So why don't you elaborate on your feelings uh, when the news broke? Yeah, so I just got immediately depressed. I was like, crap. Something I like is done by a terrible person. And honestly, like, in the moment, I was thinking, like, very, in kind of a very, sim- like, cynical mindset in a way. Just because of, like, we we saw what happened with Watsky. We saw that he was able to just, like, walk back in with, like, little to no issues. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, crap, they're mm-hmm. just gonna, like, 
get a slap on the wrist for Mavsky. He's going to come back and do Akdaj. And it's going to be super awkward and not pleasant at all. And I don't know. It, it just kind of really dwelled on me. It's like, okay, can can I even really even enjoy the series anymore? Like, why am I wasting my time with Shonen Jump? They've done this too many times. It was frustrating, but also depressing at the same time. It was like, you love Actage, but yeah. you don't want to support these practices. And it's just mm. like, okay, well, what, what am I going to do now? Yeah, that question of whether we should even continue supporting Shonen Jump in light of this was also something that crossed my mind as well. Because, yeah, this is the second incidence of this happening in the five years that we've been doing this show and, you know, in the last three years in general. And the third time this has happened documented in the last 18 years. So, again, a repeated problem that, yeah, based on the track record, it wasn't very hopeful that they would discommunicate Monsky. Of course, it seems that they have. I guess we'll get into the statement and what they did a little later, but I still want to go around and gauge everyone else's thoughts if someone else wants to take the lead. Uh, uh, basically, uh, at that time, I was only caught up with... I read it from the Manga Plus app, by the way. So I don't have Shonen... Uh, basically, uh, at that time, I was only reading App H and uh, Haikyuu. So for me... Like, it was sad, but I feel like it was more, like, surprised and disappointed. Because uh, I praised Act 8 for being, like, this pioneer for, like, more representation of good female characters in Shonen Jump. And I truly hope that it would, like, become a model example for other series. They even had, like, like a cover comparison. And, like, I felt like uh, they bridged the gap between... um. Sojo and, and Sonen a bit. And so I felt like it really uh, was trying to attempt to like, uh, target m- a more, uh, young girls. And to have the author, uh, be, uh, such a sexual predator, I felt like I, everything I believed in was kinda, <laughs> kinda, like, yeah, it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> I totally empathize with those feelings, because I also had Champion Octodges, hey, this is a great series that is starring a female protagonist, a rarity, there is no, like, sub-male protagonist who is, like, the respective viewpoint character, is the actual main character, like, in so many series, like, Madaka Box, or whatever, it's like, no, it's, she is the protagonist, it's her character arc her journey and the series had several well-developed characters and it is incredibly heartbreaking to see like the one series in jumps history that was written like that that had representation like that to have been penned by again a sexual predator like a series Mm. that you know was about a young girl came from a man who assaulted young girls. Yeah, it's a real shame, because, like, Actage could have been something really special because of that. It stood out <laughs> because know. of, like, its heavy female representation and what it did with those characters. And what, the characters weren't just there to be there. They had mm-hmm. so much substance right. to them compared to, like, really any other series. Like, you have to mm-hmm. say, like, The Promised Everland, where, yeah, you have Emma, 
But well, 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 Emma's well, a fine character. Emma's a fine character, but was she Yonagi? <laughs> yeah. No! <laughs> and uh, that's the point. <laughs> and we haven't mentioned it yet, but there's also Usazaki, who is the artist behind yes. it as a woman. And like it was her first time going into manga, and it just got Yeah, yeah so torpedoed. she's such a yeah. young and talented artist. Like, she's only 22. Yeah. And the... Oh my god. Her art is just so incredible. It blows me away. Yeah, oh, yeah. like they picked her up mm. because the editor at the time for Actage, or who would become the editor for Actage, was also the editor for Salmon the Summoner. Mm. And Usazaki had done a bunch of Salmon fan art on Twitter, and that's how they just picked her up. And she moved to Tokyo yeah. because of that. Like, she took a big risk taking this job, and she improved right. so much as an artist. And just see all of this fall apart. Because Matsuki had to just be a total scumbag is such a shame. Especially since, as far as we know, she's the only female artist in Shonen Jump. Right now. In Shonen Jump right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just it like, you're, you're taking away this huge representation that made like Jump have so much more like meaning, at least to me. Yeah. Like and, they were going well, in a better direction in terms of series that were actually highlighting women and women's stories. Yeah. And yeah, we're again penned by a female artist, a young, talented one in that. And yeah, mm-hmm. to have her lose her series in this way, her debut series is heartbreaking. And like she is not going to be able to profit off of the work that she had done this past two and a half years because all of yeah. Octodge pretty much globally has been discontinued. Volume sales are not coming out. The series is no longer readable. You cannot really buy it anymore. They are like going to completely wipe out your ability to purchase the series. So Ozanaki yeah. is not getting any royalties from the series. Again, she spent two and a half years working on and as the artist, she is the one who really spent the bulk of time creating the series. If you know how labor-intensive art is. Yeah. So this is really yeah. heartbreaking to have something she had put so much effort, time, into be taken away by having her partner being revealed to be a creep and betraying the trust of her and the readers, everyone. Yeah, like, we had an Actage podcast episode before we canceled it where uh, AG was on it, and AG pointed out, like, the storyboards between Matsuki and Usazaki. And you, if you look at those storyboards and then what Usazaki was drawing, so much of the actual visual subtext that is in Actage, like, gives it so much nuance, seems to mm-hmm. solely come from Usazaki. Mm-hmm. She was putting She definitely in, brought it to life. Yeah, she really did bring it to life, and it's just like, yeah, Matsuki wrote the story, but Usazaki was putting so much, if not like an equal amount or more, in to this story. And mm. it's like, to see her half of that work just completely destroyed and not be able to profit off it at all, just because of like her partner being terrible, was like, really messed up. Especially since her income is going to straight zero at this point. Exactly. That is, it's just so yeah. frustrating. Like, Shonen Jump, in their statement, said that they are going to support Usazaki and her future works, but in what concrete terms are they going to support Usazaki right now, financially? Yeah, it's like, uh-huh. okay, you guys are saying that, but like, uh-oh, where, where's the meat? Like, yeah. wh- what are you actually yeah. saying here? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I assume with their contract, I assume they'll probably just still pay her, even though she probably won't do actually any work. I mean, it depends on when the contract ends up, but I, I see like, her coming uh, back soon, though. 
I mean, I really hope so. I really want to see her in like next year. The wording yeah. in like this, like, uh, in like the official announcement, just like annoys me to heck. Yeah, especially the I, social responsibility part. The yeah, the hypocrisy <laughs> of saying that when in the past they have not lived up to that social responsibility. Uh, yeah, uh, and I guess for me, like I heard at first, I heard about someone. Was, okay, so I was reading Act Age mainly through the Shonen Jump app, mm-hmm. and so they had, the day before it was we heard about it was announced. I they had just uploaded Volume Two, I think, and like the last chapter, of Volume Two, like wasn't loading right. And then I woke up in the morning and someone posted like, oh, it looks like they're not going to fill in the rest of the gap for Octage. And I was like, why? And then I saw it and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. It, just, like, it disappointed me so much because uh, like you guys have said, like Octage was just so cool that it actually like the female protagonist and like really centered on her. And I guess like. I would say, like, sometimes in Octage, like, some of the stuff, like, I think at one point, like, the director guy, like, abducts her in a van so she can yeah. go to an audition. <laughs> Honestly, uh, yeah. A lot of stuff involving mm-hmm. Kuriyama, in retrospect, comes off a lot creepier. Yeah. yeah it's, it's played for laughs, and, like, it's not meant that way, but you look back and it's like, oh, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. And that's, like, it's very common in Jump, though, that they do this so much where it's like, yeah. oh, he looks like it's a pervert, but he's not. Isn't it funny? And it's like, <laughs> why don't you just, like, I, we might get into it later, but Dolphin and Shark, which is a oh cop my God, manga, yeah. literally had a, a woman's father is about to die hanging on a cliff. And teenage boys are like, oh, we'll only save him if you let us touch your boobs. Yeah. And it's like, ugh. Yeah, that chapter literally came out. The day after this oh, story broke. Awkward. Uh, yeah, and I was just like, really? Yeah. Uh, uh, I forgot to mention this, but uh, did anyone see? I think there's a tweet, but like there's a chapter header in Act H that they showed. Like this really, in one of the recent chapters, like, they showed this uh, really younger in a, quite a compromising uh, pose. Yeah. Uh, it's quite bad. Yeah. yeah. In that case, I don't know if Uzazaki is responsible for that or Moxie, but I mean, just this entire situation in general turns any imagery like that in a bad light. Mm-hmm. And part of me does wonder how soon Jump knew about it, just because it happened two months ago or so around that. It happened in June, mm-hmm. I think. The incident, yeah. like he, yeah. He assaulted the two girls in June, in June 18th. The arrest happened on the 8th, so it seems they found yeah. out about it when the arrest happened. Yeah. And things happened yeah. after that. And their announcement so, was still, like, fairly delayed after that, but that's mm, probably, like, mm. just PR on their side to figure out, like, okay, how, how do we address this? However, yeah. and I don't have information in front of me, there did seem to be some suggestion that at least the PR accounts on Twitter distanced themselves from Motsky in mm-hmm. the promotion yeah. of Octa. Well, that, yeah. that doesn't surprise me. Like, didn't Uzusaki and Motsky, like unfollow each other on Twitter? Oh. Yeah, that, that was a while ago, though, right? Because like, a lot wow. of people had been implying like they had had like, some sort of argument or falling out. Yeah. She probably just didn't like the guy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, given what we know now about him, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there may have been some things behind the scene that were red flags with Monsky, mm. and those were not 
addressed. And of course, that led to two girls, real victims, yeah. being involved yeah. in this. Yeah. But I feel like we should, uh, I feel like we should probably go into AG's feelings really quickly. Yeah, I am oh, curious yeah, about that, AG. No! <laughs> I'm sorry, but I mean, you, of course, are also on the ground floor on reporting this because you, of course, ran the Act Dodge account, uh, the fan account, so I am curious. Yeah. About this. I mean, uh, I feel, I just like I feel like I had a, you know felt like everybody else like you know I I was like just like her I was I was about to start reading the uh, the new volume that came out in the vault and I think uh, I was just about to sit down and read it when I saw the uh, the news and uh, I don't think it like obviously I was depressed you know and sad but uh, but I don't think it really hit me until because I was trying to like like look up the news and try to post that so I really couldn't process it uh, and then once. Shauna Jump uh, put their announcement. I think that's what it hit me. And I'm like, man, Matsuki sucks, man. <laughs> and I, I was just like, I'm like, uh, I'm like taking a break. Like, I took like a mini break of Twitter. But uh, I even uh, bought the last Shauna Jump issue with Act Dodge in it. Because even though like I, I'm not a, like I don't like Matsuki, it's uh, I mean, I still enjoyed all the moments I did reading Act Dodge, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it, I mean, it was honestly like one of my favorite series. And now since it's gone, I'm just like, well. Uh, what other magazines are there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I definitely have the same feeling because Act Dodge was my favorite series to read, you know, yeah. in Jump. And when this news broke, like my enthusiasm for reading Jump, even though there are plenty of series I enjoy, it was very crushed and I was very demoralized. And so even though I read the chapters of Jump that came out the day after, you know, and there were good chapters in my batch, you know, it was, like, really hard for me to really feel like I could continue supporting and doing Jump. Uh, and, yeah, that really was a sucky feeling to have. Yeah, but, like, I have definitely yeah. been in this feeling where I've been waiting on Jump for kind of the past year or so, mainly because of, like, it's a multitude of reasons, but, like, it's a combination of me having to, like, review a bunch of non-Jump manga on the regular and kind of realizing that, hey, I, I don't really gel necessarily with a lot of Jump <laughs> stories. And I'd rather spend my time elsewhere. But it's also just the more, like, you kind of deep dive into Shonen Jump, the more you realize how broken and problematic their editorial staff and system is. Yeah. And yeah. it's just not pleasant. And it... it it feels wrong at times reading Jump when you think about it, because, like, you hear all these horror stories about, like, the sexism in Jump's editorial and the making really, like, terrible claims, like, oh, you have to have the heart of boys to draw and Shonen Jump, and it's like... Or editor, yeah. Yeah, it's like, wh- what the heck's wrong with these people? Yeah. I feel like both Oda and, uh, Toriyama, or what's the name of the Dragon Ball guy, Toriyama? Akira Toriyama, and yeah, I, I saw like someone, you know, post an interview where he also made a suggestion that, oh, the few in number women who understand the heart in boys might enjoy Dragon Ball Super Broly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's 2020. I don't understand like how we're still having this conversation. Yeah. I'm like, like, how do... It's weird how they actually like don't have a female in their uh in their department. Yeah. yeah, and they and there's a big controversy about it fairly recently. It just boggles my mind because over half of their readers are girls. 
Yeah. Are they, are they just throwing money away? Like, girls are still reading it, but, like, girls may read it more if they didn't have to, like, be objectified the entire time. Or just kids keep seeing our, themselves being assaulted, like, or basically that, like, fictionalized versions of them getting assaulted. Yeah, their yeah. line of thinking is really flawed and gross, because they consider themselves to be a magazine only targeted at young boys, despite the fact the readership is indeed very evenly split and it is an all ages magazine shonen jump as a brand is like disney for japan in terms of hey it has the most mm. easy to recognize brand visibility yeah and it has series. a global presence like global you can't presence. say that for any of the other magazines right it is enjoyed by everyone their series so they cannot just say oh we are a magazine designed for young boys and then all the women who enjoy it, those are just add-on bonuses, but we're not making this for them. Despite the fact, historically, Jump's biggest hits have all been supported by, if not a even gender audience, but oftentimes a majority female audience for many series that weren't shown to Jump. Like in short series in particular, but yes, <laughs> also Gintama and very cruelly series like Moroni Kenshin uh, back in the day were heavily supported by female fans. Like, there's a huge history of that. I mean, heck, even when they did this statistical, like, survey of readership by gender a couple of years ago, I think they found that actually a majority of the readers of One Piece were women. So yeah. for Oda to continue to say that, oh, I'm making the series for young boys, people who understand heart to young boys, and then co frequently, consistently, you know, talk down to his female fans and avoid addressing their concerns about how he draws women's bodies and sexualizes women and how characters behave, like, that is really gross. Yeah, I mean, considering Oda's probably... A big offender in many ways here because he's also hmm. a huge advocate for Shimabuko and Watsuki coming yeah. out. I mean, that's another thing we have to address is that the big difference between this incident with Matsuki and the incidences with Shimabukuro and Watsuki is their connection to Ichiro Oda, who obviously yeah. is Shueisha's biggest moneymaker, the number one mangaka, the number one manga he's the writer of in terms of yeah. sales. So. Like, he has a lot of pull, but yeah. Like, Toriko was literally able to happen because Oda stuck his neck out for Shimabukuro. And recently he did, like, an interview promoting Watsuki for, like, a convention. Or not a convention. It was, like, something was celebrating. It was of yeah. Watsuki, this art. Which is so gross. And this happened just five months ago. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, uh, let's hope that Matsuki didn't change a tire for Oda or something. <laughs> oh no! Because like, God. honestly, I'm just like, I literally sent in an SBS to Oda say, saying, "Stop being friends with pedophiles." Yeah. <laughs> and he re he reads all the SBSs. I wrote it in Google Translate, so he's gonna read it. He won't put it in the volume, but. Watch yeah. like the Google Translate just be like off. So you still couldn't even understand. Uh, I, I tried. To, I did the reverse translate thing because I wanted to make like I wanted to make sure I wasn't like saying anything inappropriate, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like accusing. Like, I don't know. So I was like, okay, I gotta try. I'm gonna say the names of the people. I like. I, hopefully, you'll get them. Like, but also, I'm like, are you friends with who I want? Maybe I should have been like, stop supporting them. I don't know. Yeah. Like, uh, the scary yeah. thing is too is that like, <laughs> oh yeah, Soda is the 
hugest offender here in terms of like vocal advocacy, but even just complacency from other mangaka with Watsuki and Shimabukuro is also the scary part. Like, I think, I forget who exactly it was, um, but a few months, I think, after Watsuki was kind of let off, like, for, like, his, like, pedophilia crimes, someone invited him to, like, their child's birthday party with a bunch of other mangaka. And that is incredibly gross that he w- anyone would consider Watsuki to be a person that they're comfortable with their children being around, that they think their children would be safe being around, considering the fact that he's a pedophile. Yeah. He, he literally said in his statement to the police that he liked videos with young children, elementary to junior, middle school age. Yeah. Like, how yeah. could... He literally said that. He admitted to that. How can you Bruh. ignore that statement? It just makes you wonder, yeah. did, like, all these people just know this and not tell anyone? Or, like, yeah. do they just not care at all? And people must have known, or like this was a well kept secret for twenty years, because again, Watsky was arrested for possession of hundreds of these DVDs. Yeah, and it was like, like in his like home mm-hmm. office area, so I'm assuming like obviously people have worked there, so like they must have seen them. Oh. I think the police even I think the police even thought he was like in participation. Or distribute or distributing it or something? Yes, yeah. he's trying to sell them. Apparently. Oh my god! <laughs> or they thought he was. Yeah. Honestly, I'm bitter. I'm bitter. His series isn't canceled because, like, mm-hmm. even if it was, I don't think he would. Uh, like, it doesn't really matter to anyone because the first part, the most important part, is finished anyway. So, like, I don't think anything would, like, really affect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't like it's nice that English Shonen Jump did stop publishing Ronin Kenshin, but then they did keep putting out the 1.3 or the, the uh, omnibus yeah. versions, which definitely sucks. And I guess like it's definitely on Shonen Jump, but also like the Japanese police that like Matsuki also confessed like right away. They had him on video, he said like it's basically correct, and then they they wait they sat on it. I don't I guess I don't really know how like police procedures go do they usually wait two months after a crime to charge somebody no, i mean maybe he was they arrested do. on the eight i think the investigation just took a month and a half yeah so like the incident yeah. happened two months ago but they didn't find him until august yeah so. like the no, video they, no, of the arrest him. i mean the video of the arrest happened like on the day that this news broke so, yeah, yeah but i guess what i wish i don't know i wish they arrested him sooner but i guess it's only it's a month and a half and like I, I don't know it's just like i think like I don't know. But also, like, to be fair, like, with Western, we also have problems with this as well. Like, look at uh, R. Kelly. Like, mm. he's only getting charged now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I should, uh, this just came up in my mind, but, like, mm. I feel like, uh, during the investigation, right, like, uh, when the H. Otto, right, they caught him in June. And, like, Shonen Jump mm. should probably know it by then. Yeah. But still, this, uh, Manga run for like more than a month. I think they should have like uh, uh put it on hiatus or something during mm-hmm. that time because like they don't don't have to say the reason. Just say the for some uh for some uh, reasons like it is on hiatus right now. They continue to let it be published for like a yeah. few uh yeah. for like a few months. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not they necessary. Didn't, they didn't catch him in June. Like the incident happened and was reported in June. But they didn't, like, 
finally make the arrest until the day it happened. Yeah, so, like, so, since June, they've been analyzing yeah. the camera footage. I'm, I'm yeah. looking at the report right now. And I think during that time, they were trying to corroborate that it was Mofsky. Because, like, from a legality perspective, you don't want to make the arrest until, like, you're at least pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, it was a combination of that where, like, they probably suspect it was Motsky, but, like, they probably didn't publicly tell Shueisha or anyone at the time. Mm, yeah. So, like, um. before they made the arrest, no one probably knew that Motsky even did this besides the victim, anyone surrounding the victim, and the police. Yeah. If Shueisha was contacted, I totally agree, though. They should have put it on hiatus immediately. should have stopped with this whole turkey. And honestly, considering that there was already some behind-the-scenes stuff with Mosky that maybe people were aware of his behaviors. I think that they should have done something sooner. Yeah, the, the red flags were there from mm-hmm. what we suspect. So it's like, why, why wasn't anything done? Yeah, and that yeah. kind of goes back to this boys' club mentality and culture at Chonin Bump. That lets things and like this money. slide. Yeah, money. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think to go back to Watsky and Kenshin, sadly, the Kenshin Hokkaido arc sells quite a bit still, even Crazy after well. even after the revelations of the kind of person Watsky is. Like, even before that Oda interview, because I see a lot of people saying, like, oh, the Oda interview is what's saving, what's saving Watsky, and it's not. No. Even before that, Kenshin Hokkaido mm-hmm. arc was selling crazy well. People just buy it because it's Kenshin. And there's just mm-hmm. this complacency where it's like, okay, Watsky got off scot-free, therefore he didn't do anything wrong. It's okay to buy this. Let's just keep buying it. And, and Jump yeah. is just fueling that mentality by like treating it like nothing's wrong. And like it's like this obligation to fans that like Watsky has to continue this and make money. Yeah. Literally business as usual. Yeah. Despite the fact that it's not usual. Like, it is a huge moral failing that they continue to let a man who was revealed to be a pedophile continue to write series that are aimed towards young readers. I mean, the series is published in Jump Square. It's still a series targeted to young readers, even though it's pandering, appealing to the nostalgic fan base for Kenshin. Yeah. And that also, right. again, goes back into the systemic problem is that because Watsuki is so much a part of the institution of mm-hmm. Shonen Jump and the history of Shonen Jump, like, they are so cowardly hesitant to discommunicate him. Yeah, like, he was Takashi Obata's assistant, and he's basically fostered so many of the mangaka that have blew up in Shonen Jump. Yeah. And even beyond that, if you look, like, he has connections, like, everywhere, like, Kazuhiro Fujita and even people in, like, other magazines. So it's, like, yeah. it's kind of those situations where, like, no one wants to get rid of him because he's this quote-unquote pillar. And I think in Shueisha's eyes, as messed up as it is, it's like, okay, like, if we don't publish Kenshin, Watsuki's gonna walk off to another publisher and someone else will publish it. And they, they want yeah. the money for themselves. Yeah, and again, they are making, like, a business decision very selfishly. It's like, well, we don't want to lose this artist who will definitely make money if he goes somewhere else, so let's keep that for ourselves. We don't want them to run off to Kodansha to the safe haven. (laughs) Yeah. Good old Tackle Titan. And so, again, they are 
prioritizing like Waski's status as like a legacy author over you know what is right and what they as a company have an obligation to do to do right by their readers yeah i don't know like i feel like now these days like uh how everything is i don't think Matsuki will come back to Shueisha, even if he tries. I'd like to hope not. Yeah, I think, I'd really like yeah. to hope not. I think the big difference with, again, Matsuki and Watsuki and Shimabukuro is that Matsuki, I don't think he was well-liked. It does not seem like that, considering, you know, some of the stuff that we talked about earlier. So that might make it easier for him to be exiled from this industry. Yeah. And also, like, with uh, Usasaki, like, she, she'll probably have a say in it, too, Right, I would believe. I mean, Actod is definitely not going to come back. I don't think Usasaki wants anything to do with Monsk anymore. Oh, yeah. I mean, they consulted with her for the decision to cancel the series. It seems that this is something she was in support of. She removed all information about Actod from her profile on Twitter and basically is only retreating now stuff about cancellations related to Actod. So, yeah, I yeah. think she's, like, distanced herself from Matsuki, from the situation, from the series. And, yeah, I, again, I just hope she continues to get work in another series. Again, I made this tweet on uh, Twitter, but I hope that Uzazaki's career is long and she has a number of hits under her belt so that Akdaj is like a distant memory at yeah. the end of the... Mm-hmm. Like, she's, she's too talented to just let this end her career. Especially yeah. with how much, like, time, like, Shueisha and Jump invested in her and how much she improved. Like, even her editors pointed out, like, her growth as an artist within even, like, the first half a year of Act Dodge is, like, unimaginable. And, like, mm-hmm. if you look at the artwork from chapter one to, say, chapter, like, 25, like, it's night and day. And, like, mm-hmm. you don't see that even with the most talented Jump artists. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are you really going to throw that away? Are you going to let this just all go away because her partner was just an absolute, like, scumbag. And, again, yeah. the cancellation show in Jump is so crushing because of how hard it is to even succeed in that magazine, in that environment. So, to lose what was a hit, what was having so many, like, tie-in events and stuff happening for it, like, the manga just coming out in the U.S., like, that is really crushing. But, yeah, and in Akash's <laughs> case, we know it had a hard time early in Shonen Jump. It was like an underdog story of like it was struggling oh. and it just started like growing gradually in sales until it became like this next upcoming hit. And to see it all just crashing yeah. down is just like frightening and depressing. Yeah. I think that's the worst part is is it literally had it hit, hit its peak yet. And I think that I feel like the anime was going to be announced soon mm-hmm. and. Now it's we probably won't even get that. Yeah, no, definitely like, not. It, there was definitely an anime in production. Like, yeah, there was oh, a stage sure. play. Yeah, and yeah. like I hope the Princess Iron fan art was so good. I really hope like some like ri- manga like uh, writer will like pick it up and be like, okay, I need her to draw something for me. Like, 
Yeah. I don't oh, yeah. Know. She, she has too much talent not to. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I do hope that they connect her to another rider. I mean, I don't know if she. <gasps> Tagashi! <laughs> I mean, that'd be a wonderful combination. Uh, AAG but... would have a field day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or man. Like, she, she could draw the women for Oda and Goichi. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that would be such just a, a di- Just a different art style in the middle. <laughs> I mean, it'll look a hundred times better, so I'd be. Yeah. 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 Realistic proportions. They actually look like human beings. I hope that like she's paired with someone who really sees her talent. And I guess the to put some positivity in this, like a lot of mangaka on Twitter have really kind of like retweeted her art. Given like yeah. this controversy, a lot of I them think... are kind of like silent because I think a lot of them don't want to get. Yeah, on I think the only side. person who spoke up publicly about this, but then of course deleted his tweet later, was Taishi mm-hmm. Susui. Of we never learn like he yeah. expressed yeah. like his disappointment and sadness over this and actually acknowledged there were victims which is something the shueisha statement doesn't do is that yeah you read it it doesn't actually acknowledge what happened why matsuki was arrested which is one reason why i'm actually upset with the statement because it is not really mm-hmm. addressing the problem but, yeah, and if yeah. you think of like the victims, like maybe maybe they read jump maybe their friends read jump so i think it's good that it was pulled to like they don't have to keep seeing it they yeah. don't have to be like or maybe they, I, I don't know. I think it's just like I don't know. I just I feel awful for those girls. Yeah. Like I, I worry people might blame them, and it's like no, they were just going for a walk. Like they were going to school. Like I don't I don't know. I just feel awful for them. And like I love yeah. Actage, but I would choose those girls over Actage any yeah, day. I mean, but like, I, I don't know. Well, you mentioned I mean, this like in your statement for Manga Mavericks, but like the real victims here are the girls. Yes. Like let's not yeah. get that wrong. Right. And like, despite how much we would have loved Actage to like thrive and have never had this incident happen at all it's like the fact that this does happen we have to focus on that there were there were victims and their support and getting justice for them is what matters most yeah mm-hmm. right act dodge is not worth supporting at the expense of real victims children mm-hmm. yeah and i even admit like when i like Obviously, when I first saw that, I was like, you know, being selfish. I'm like, no, the manga I love. But like, mm-hmm. when you think about it, it's actually uh, it's really good that the girls actually went up and actually reported it yeah. instead of mm-hmm. like, you know, talked with their friends or didn't say anything at all. Like that is incredibly brave, especially in a mm-hmm. culture and environment where often those concerns can go unheard or dismissed. Like Japan has had a problem with like, this uh, utilitarianism, like mentality. Like, yeah, thinking mm-hmm. of like the greater. Uh, society rather than the individual yeah yeah and i think i've heard like kind of the police sometimes that, like it's harder to solve those cases and they want their case like the, the hey like, oh we solved a lot of crimes so like they might like kind of underreport those as well mm-hmm. and like i think it's just mainly like the way the, the girls reported it and it was also caught on the like, camera from a st- i don't know if it was a store yeah. or something but like they had like video evidence yeah, I think the fact that they had evidence was a huge factor in why this case was actually solved. Because so often, like, I was just reading a report about this and research, and literally, like, a statement from this officer in this book that I was reading was a little old, but it was like, oh, it's so hard, it's hard to prosecute these cases when, like, there isn't a lot of physical evidence. Like, there isn't evidence that there was that much resistance, which is a very disgusting way of phrasing it. But, like, that's often the mentality is not just in Japan, but honestly here as well, is that, oh, like, is this really a big deal if, like, there wasn't, like, any actual, like, physical proof that harm was done? 
Yeah, and especially when it's, like, a crime that's going to be hard to solve. Like, the sad reality is that, like, a lot of police just don't want to do it because it'll, like, oh, it'll mess up my quota. Yeah, I mean, the police as an institution, I mean, we've been having this conversation, is not a trustworthy institution that has the interests of the public actually in mind, so... Yep. I think uh, we should also mention the fact that a lot of times, like, women and girls don't want to report these cases because, like... Uh, because the mentality of victim shaming and uh, yeah. sexism is still really relevant, especially in Japan, I imagine. Like, mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, like they might worry they wouldn't be believed, or like, oh, it's just normal. It's just like what happens, and it's like no. So I, I like, I really appreciate that. Like, I, I don't know that they step forward. Yeah. And they took they took that risk as well, and like, I, I don't, and also that they were believed. Like, I, it's just I don't know. Yeah, I mean their bravery can't be understated, especially considering that yeah, they are they were incredibly young and they were putting mm-hmm. themselves out there to like face potential trauma of not being believed. But yeah. I'm glad that they actually did follow through with this investigation and thanks to them speaking out, they prevented potential future victims of Monsky. Mm-hmm. Especially right. since it's implied that this is a hobby of Monsky's. Yeah, let's... Oh my god, <laughs> oh, oh, gosh, that author author's comment. Yeah. Like, I, I had to read out those author's comments on uh, the Akash podcast, and now I'm just like, everything makes sense now yeah, in the most it, effed up way. It all has come together. Because yeah. like, when I read that, I was like, yeah. what does hobbies mean? Well, what do you mean by hobbies? Uh, like, oh, oh yeah, the yeah. other comment I think was like I want I I want a bike so I can combine my hobbies, and then I think it was like I got a bike was the other update, or it was a combined one of I got a bike now I yeah. can do my hobbies. Well, those sure. weren't even the only bike updates. Like Moski would mention oh. biking a lot after that, and like one of the last ones he mentioned was like, oh, something's wrong with my bike, and it's like you're wondering like, oh, well, what did he do with the bike? <laughs> oh God. Oh man, that's a a bad ending to that story, I would say. A little plot yeah. twist there, and I do like. I looked a little bit of the at the art for the last chapter, and I do wonder if maybe Usazaki heard about it and just decided I'm not doing updates on it. Like I'm done, because <laughs> like, but that's just me like hypothesized, like 100 percent reaching. I think like the, the printings for that issue had already happened, already yeah, before the arrest because mm. leaks and stuff for it came out. I think like. Oh, a day yeah. or a day before that, so yeah. I, I don't think they made any changes since then because, like, it was yeah, no, but done. I mean, yeah, but the, I, I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. Uzazaki, from my view, was like a professional. Like, even if she hated Bobsky, because you know, up until yeah. this happened, reading the series, I thought her art was still always on point. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, there are very few like down points in Uzazaki's art. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's it's hard to say, but yeah. I mean, like, as much as, like, I know some Actosh fans were kind of annoyed that they didn't publish Chapter 123 in English, like, it, it makes sense why. Yeah, they, how they, can you publish yeah. it, like, after this incident? Like, who can enjoy yeah. it? And who, yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. a lot of what these companies care about is the PR. So, unfortunately, yeah. a huge hard decision is like, oh, we don't want to post this chapter just because of the backlash. The comments are all going to mm-hmm. be about this. Yeah. And that is yeah. why also, publicly, outside of the one statement from Shueisha, like, there hasn't actually been that much said 
uh, by mm. Viz Media on this in particular. Like, no outside posting Shueisha's statement and taking it on the page. Uh, yeah. They really have not commented. And honestly, like, Viz doesn't wait. They just drop it. They're just like, out. Yeah. And, and it's not like the chapter was like the finale to Octage. Like, nothing yeah. really it's always good. Yeah. happens in uh, it. Like, <laughs> it's literally just uh, Satsuki, like, starting, like, the filming. Mm. And they don't even yeah. get too much into it. It's, if anything, the chapter before is a better ending than that yeah. chapter. And honestly, the volume releases are stopping with 12. I mean, that's the end of the Iron Fan play. So it's not, it's like slightly yeah. after that, I think. I so mean, it's just not one even chapter like, uh, after that, which is like the party, but that's yeah. it. And, but yeah, not, not so a we great basically say that's the ending. Yeah. If you want to justify that, but yeah. Yeah. I can guarantee they probably have like a, like, a couple more chapters not uh printed oh yeah because yeah. i mean you know they're gonna yeah. be like three weeks ahead yeah, yeah at the were. very least like mouth kid on storyboards for them mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like uh, yeah. obviously like no no one's gonna touch that yeah like, no, no one yeah. wants that no yeah i wonder yeah, if like shuisha maybe pitched to suzaki like oh we could like do another writer or you could just do it and she's just like no like i'm, I'm not interested like i'm done oh, yeah. Yeah. fair because like yeah yeah like, honestly like you I wouldn't even want to put that pressure on her, because, like, yeah. if you're working on a series for this long, just, like, in a kind of art focus and not touching mm-hmm. the narrative that much, like, having them do, like, double the work and do something that they have no experience with is just a terrible idea. Like, this is Osazaki's first series, and she's yeah. been hired for the art. Are you going to force, like, her to just learn how to write? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, it's See, not fair. That- I mean, that's the thing, too. It's like, uh, even though we, we can hate on Mosky a lot, I mean, we got to admit he was a good writer. And, I mean, it's kind of it kind of sucks, too, trying to find somebody that actually can write it as uh, as well as it was. Yeah. Mm. But, I mean, also, know. he is credited as, like, the series creator. So, if the series were to continue, he would continue to be paid royalties yeah. for yeah. this. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, if I was Uzusaki too, I wouldn't want to work with the guys. So. Exactly. Yeah. It's totally understandable. So, honestly, I think Uzusaki probably deserves the credit for the cancellation of Octage. Because I mm. have a feeling that Shueisha, their interest would probably be to continue the franchise. Especially considering there were all these other projects. But, like, just the... Probably the pressure online, as well as Uzusaki just being flat out done. Finally, just forced yeah. to, like, just... To cancel the franchise entirely. Because in the past, like, we saw this with Takeshi. Takeshi was canceled when Shimabukuro was arrested in 02. However, mm-hmm. the series, while it was also canceled, the volumes at the time, like, those did stop, they re released Takeshi in 04 in, like, uh-huh. new volume editions. Like, uh-huh. basically just two years after Takeshi was canceled. So, like, now Octodge has been, of course, cancelled in terms of volume release, but like if they were going to continue to work with the franchise and with the author, like you'd have to wonder if this would only be temporary and then later down the line they would try to publish it again. Yeah. I honestly think that Uzazaki's firm stance and her role as series co-creator is the reason why we will not see that happen. Yeah, like, uh, I think that's really one good. of my mm-hmm. Twitter mutuals, uh, Jacob, who's, like, a writer for OdaQuest, he had mentioned to me that, like, he thinks that a lot of the international pullings of Actage, like, from 
retailers might be from Usazaki's stands. Mm. And the fact that, like, she doesn't want to be associated with the series, therefore they can't sell it. And that would probably make sense, because when you think about it, like, Shueisha was very complacent with Rurouni Kenshin and uh, even uh, Sekimatsu leader and Takashi were Mm. like, I don't think even when Shimabukuro got arrested that they just straight up, like, pulled Takashi from stores. They kept it there, I Mm. think. So, like, I think it's just, like like you said, Lom, like, it's Usazaki that's really kind of making this happen, and honestly, if yeah. that's the case, I, I'm in support of it. My only concern mm-hmm. was, like, if it's Shoeisha's doing, then I think that's a terrible move on their part, just because they're taking away all of Usazaki's income. And I hope even now, like, they're giving her financial support, because, yeah. like, this is a position that no one wants to be in. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I want to see her have a, another success that blows Octodge away. I mean, mm-hmm. the only reason that I hope it's a success in Jump is just that we will get to read it immediately, if that is the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, regardless of what like magazine she's in, I'm going to just buy it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> just, like, force myself through the <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> what I would hate, though, is her next manga, like, the writer... It just sucks. Oh, oh, <laughs> imagine yeah. it's like Sagumi Oba. Oh god. <laughs> Platinum Ed 2.0. Um, this, but I've mentioned this on Twitter before, but like even if uh Shonen Jump decided to pull out H out from um uh from the magazine without like the outside pressure, part of me thinks that maybe their decision wasn't because of their self-conscience, but more of the fact that they see Matsuki, and they they think, oh no, and that because, like, they had a track record before, like, with other two cases, so they now, they now think that, like, they can't let this happen anymore because, like, their reputation will be cancelled, uh, will be ruined. It definitely so, like, seems it's like more a... about, like, their reputation versus their uh, so I think it's more, more like uh, restoring the reputation more than doing what's good. Yeah, I think that it's like a fair speculation, especially because of the circumstances in yeah. this case. Especially like, when you compare to again Watsky, is that oh here's the creator of one of our most profitable franchises. What are we going to do with him? Let's just continue working with him and promoting his stuff yeah. and pretending like nothing's happening. And I guess if, like, we directly compare to Watsuke, I think, it's a lot easier to get rid of a rookie than yeah. someone who's been an established part of the Shonen Jump brand for so long. Especially someone who isn't well-liked. Like, yeah. Watsuke had fans who, and I have had to deal with them on the Manga America YouTube mm-hmm. in particular, them vocalizing their support for Watsuke. Like, there are people who want to willfully be ignorant of what he did and continue to read and support his work guilt-free. With Monsky, I have not seen, luckily, any of that support for him. Like, all the support has been for Usazaki, all the sympathy has been for her, especially from in the industry. Again, you mentioned that uh, retweet trend. Like, Yusuke Murata, I believe, was one of the people who did that. I think he was the one who who, like, started doing it, and then a lot of people, like, followed suit after that. And generally, with 
the series, like, most of the support has been for Usaki and her artwork on it. Like, if we think about comments from, like, Boichi and stuff like that. Yeah. So, like, she was the person in the partnership that people really seem to latch on to and want to support more so than Maski. So, again, that's one factor of why I don't think that hopefully we won't see Maski ever again, and he'll be, like, yeah. exiled from this industry. Yeah, because yeah. he's very new, like, because he hasn't, I think he had, like, a one-shot before that was kind of, like, a prelude to Actage. Yeah, so yeah. the one-shot was with Usazaki as well. Um, yeah. He had won a award before doing Actage. I don't think that was ever published, like, what he did for that. But, yeah, like, he, this was very much his kind of first major work. And I believe he switched industries from film to manga, so you have to wonder... Mm-hmm if maybe he had a poor reputation <gasps> in the film world as well. Like, we've seen that happen, honestly, in the Western side of things, of people switching industries when they are called out for controversial stuff. I mean, there's been, like, a bunch of discourse, again, about Kate Lett, uh, in particular, mm-hmm. about her repeated, like, racism and transphobia and stuff. And, like, people bringing out, hey, she used to work in comics, and then she moved to TV writing. And then she still has not repented for her behavior. So it's like stuff yeah. like that happens uh, a lot. And you mentioned him working in films, making like Octage like literally made me like want to get. I did like acting a bit in like high school, and then it kind of fell off of it. And reading Octage, I was like, I want to try to do community theater again. Oh, well, obviously there's a pandemic, so it's not really possible. But now I'm just like, <laughs> oh, the thing that made me want to do it is made by a trash human. Yeah, that's the really <laughs> sickening part. It's like yeah. as much as I don't want to admit it, and I wish I could have, it's like, Actage was ro- well-written, and mm. it, it just pains me to think, like, yeah, like, something I loved, like, something that I look forward to every week is done by a terrible person. I've been supporting, like, a terrible person. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that, like, even in the manga, like, some of the stuff Yonagi has been in, a lot of it did have, like, kind of a fundamental flaw to it like the galactic railroad was unfinished because the author died princess iron fan like like the end it really relied on the actor to kind of make it make sense mm-hmm. kind of so I, I don't know it just makes me like kind of look at it like i don't know i feel I, part of me just feels bad as well for yunagi because like i want to still see her story yeah but like yeah. we can't and it makes sense and i would i wouldn't want them to do anything different uh, and obviously, I want uh, uh, what Matsuki to do something different. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like the way they handled it, they did the best. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. circumstance, they finally did the right thing, and it remains mm-hmm. to be seen whether they'll continue to work with Matsuki. But hopefully, not given like the mark two years on your calendar. Let's yeah. see you come back <laughs> I mean, first. That's the thing. Like it, legit. Yeah, I mean, we gotta be cynical because, again, this is the third time it happened. They've had a poor track record with this. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll play the waiting game. We'll see what they do. I mean, to be uh. pessimistic about it, my, my fear is that if Shueisha doesn't take Motsuki, some other publisher is going to have someone. Yeah. Well, that is blood on their hands. So, yeah. Yeah. Shueisha yeah. It is on their responsibility to do the right thing. And if another publisher mm. wants to mess up, that's going to reflect badly on them. Like... It didn't reflect badly on Pixar to fire John Lasseter finally, only for him mm. to be hired the next day as, like, the head of Skydance or whatever. Like, yeah. that reflects yeah. badly on Skydance. Well, yeah, that, that's true. Uh, my my thing is, like, I just don't want Matsuki in the industry at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or maybe he'll move back to film, or, like, is he just gonna get, like, a, a fine, and then he's just, like, a normal person again? 
I, I, I don't even know, like, what, I don't know. That's the thing. It's like, what's the right thing to do? Because, like, even Just now- Just give him a workout at 7-Eleven or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he blew his chance when he yeah. mistreated people. Like, yeah. that, he does not really entitled for rehabilitation unless he, like, mm. really put in the work. But even then, it has to be really visible work. But yeah, even then, he does not earn anyone else's forgiveness or to- you yeah. have a platform. Like, I, yeah, like, I don't want to see cultures. his name again, basically. Yeah. Bas- yeah. 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 <laughs> it's becoming to that point. Yeah. But, I mean, even like like what Kendra said earlier, it's just mm-hmm. like reading the manga again, like, it just doesn't feel the same. Yeah. Or even if you think about um, what the chameleon actor guy was always hitting on Yonagi. Yeah. So, like, some of the stuff that you could just brush off is kind of like, oh, it's just funny. And then you, like, second guess it and, like, it might not be, like, I don't I don't know. Yeah, it really taints the series. A lot of aspects mm-hmm. of it, like, that weren't seen as potentially problematic before. Like, when you read it, you're just thinking about the kind of person the author was. And it's hard to divorce mm-hmm. that context from the story. It is a problem that I have with, of course, Watsky's works is that... Yeah. Rooney Kenshin as a series was not something that anyone really had looked at and said, oh, there's problems with, you know, pedophilia in the series or anything, or even sexism or anything. But, like, knowing the context of who the author was, it's hard to reread that series and not think about that whenever a child shows up in that series, even if they aren't, you know, yeah. sexualized or anything. It's like, oh, I know what kind of person this author was. And so now mm-hmm. I'm very skeptical and conscious of the way they're drawing and writing them. And it's mm-hmm. very difficult to, again, separate art from artist. And in cases like this, you really can't when the author is alive. Lindsay Ellis mm-hmm. made a really excellent video on this subject in the context of J.K. Rowling and her recent comments on Twitter, repeated mm-hmm. history of transphobia and stuff. And it was a great point that she made where if the author is living and can profit from the discussion and uh, support of the work, then it isn't really morally justifiable to claim you can separate art from the artist and invoke death of the author. Because in this case, the author is not dead. They are alive and they are profiting off the work. And mm-hmm. if their actions continue to harm other people... Or if they have harmed other people and there have not been any restitution or amends for that, then it is not really justifiable to continue supporting them and enabling them in that way. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that, yeah. that's when I see when I see like people saying like separate the art from the artist. So I'm like, a lot of people can't do that, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm afraid of that. But like, if I were to ever reread Act Dodge, but I'm I'm not sure if I ever will. Um, I'm afraid like yeah, I, I will see those things because like having that background like creates like. You see new subtext in the actual art and the story. Right. And that, that's mm-hmm. what I'm kind of afraid of. And the, the way I kind of see it, it's like, yeah, a lot of the time you can't separate it until, like, they're dead or they're gone. Like, I guess mm-hmm. to use an example, it's like, my favorite manga of all time is Ashita no Jo. And Asaki Takamori has a lot of problematic problems in his history. There's a lot of implied abuse with his marriage. And a lot of Ooh. violent tendencies that he used to do with press. And, like, if Takamori was alive, I think I had a lot more problems enjoying Ashita no Joe. And I think it's only because he's not around that I'm able to find so much enjoyment out of it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's easier when the person is dead. I think that also... <laughs> I think that also it's important even when said author is it not to forget about their problematic Mm, history like you also have to bring that up Uh, so like I mean I think obviously well not obviously but I think personally like Kenshin as a series because of its historical importance is one you know as someone who has read it I would think about often but mm-hmm. I probably will not reread until Watsky is dead. And even then, uh, it really right. is only from like the historical like analysis standpoint of like, well, this was a series that culturally, mm-hmm. historically, in the context of like the history of manga was something that was influential. And then if, mm-hmm. if I need to refer to that for something, I can look back at it from that standpoint. But from an enjoyment standpoint, it's very hard for me to do that with any of his works because of the person he was. Yeah, And, and we like, can't yeah. really you know, look away from that. Uh, with Takamori, this example, that's also kind of very problematic. And it's, it's hard to, you know, completely hardly praise that. It, praise his work or, or writing when you think about that kind of person he knows, but it's mm-hmm. also yeah. like as a collaboration with an artist with Chiba it's like okay well there's another person involved in this to appreciate and then again this is historically interesting work and there are themes to extrapolate from this so from that mm-hmm. context there's value in still discussing uh, this as a piece of art yeah. like, it's, yeah. a, it's a thin line to walk and again, it's a very different situation with a dead versus living artist. Yeah, like I mean, not not to really go on a tangent about, but like, like uh, yeah, like you said, like Tetsuya Chiba had a lot of uh, contributions to Ashita Nojo, and like yeah, you can see like signs in there about like Takamori's violent tendencies. Like obviously, Joe's violence, especially in the early parts of the series, like have a whole new context when you think about it, and especially like his views on women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, but like I think. Because, like, you're not actively supporting the creator because, like, they're not there, like, mm-hmm. morally it feels less, like, I guess, you, you feel less burdened about it. Like, obviously, yeah, you have to keep it in mind. And I think that's the thing that I think about with Watsky, especially, because, like, Tension is a series that I feel is a vital part of Shonen Jump history. And mm-hmm. I don't think we can just, like, magically erase that. But at the same time, right. like, I don't feel comfortable revisiting Kenshin. Yeah. Like, until Watsuki is not profiting off it. Yeah, yeah, no praise or attention, and certainly no financial support. Like, one of the reasons yeah. why I'm so furious about their decision to continue to publish Watsuki's work and the Hokkaido art is that, again, there are no repercussions for what he did because. Mm-hmm. With how well that thing sells, that two thousand dollar fine is like a blip. It's nothing. Uh, yeah. yeah, especially with how much money he actually makes off Kenshin. Mm. Yeah, it's... and like pocket change. And like I haven't read Kenshin, but I'm just like, just watch a Regent Tama instead. Yeah, yeah. You get the <laughs> post traumatic stress samurai, <laughs> but in the future. And it's not really manga, but I like I, I haven't actually read any of it, but I've seen a lot on Twitter about HP Lovecraft, who was really, really really racist but he also like created the mythos for Cthulhu which is kind of like other writers have expanded on and kind of made their own universe for and kind of people coming to terms like struggling with or kind of like 
just talking about the fact that he was like super racist. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, that's a nice thing about that mythos is that it has been adopted by other writers who have kind of taken claim to it and can do, you know, interesting things with it and divorce that from the original author. Like, I mean, of course, it's you can't ever forget the person who created it and the baggage that comes from that, but it can be reclaimed and new interesting art can be made with that character and those ideas. Mm -hmm. So that is like something that's interesting about that. But yeah, I mean, again, with like living uh, criminals like Monsky Watsky, again, I'm very hardline stance of like, do not support these people. And like, again, on the YouTube channel, like I stopped all the comments on the Kenshin videos from like all these toxic people saying, oh, we got to separate art from artists or whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm making my sense very clear on this. Not when the author is alive and selling the hundreds of thousands of copies profiting off his work and his crime has really gone unpunished. And he, for yeah, all we know, I continues to engage with it. I definitely feel the uh, the separate from uh, the art from the artist uh, has an extent to it. Like, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, everybody has their beliefs, but I feel like, you know, touching somebody or killing somebody, I feel like, you know, it's like, all right, I probably shouldn't, you know, keep reading this series or supporting the author. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's definitely an extent to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess, like, even, like, Watsuki, like, people, like, he was just, he was just watching... I'm not, I'm not saying that's what you're saying. It's just like kind of thinking what people might think. Like he was just watching like the porn, but like there are still like children. Yeah, who, like made that. So it's just like I, yeah. I don't know. Like, I 100 agree with you. I'm just kind of like thinking through it. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's. An I mean, don't want to compare it all. Yeah. but it's still kind of sick. I mean, that yeah. is the use a lot of people throw out is that oh he wasn't yeah. engaging in himself, but he was supporting sex yeah. trafficking of children, which yeah. is heinous. Like. Mm-hmm. He was feeding into that exploitation and the abuse of them, even if yeah. he was not the one committing the abuse. He was yeah. not the problem, but a cause of yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So it's not forgivable, mm. just from the fact that he didn't directly engage in it. But that is also the difference between Watsky and Monsky. Is that Monsky mm. caught on camera, actually, like did physically assault someone? It's unignorable. Mm-hmm. You can't just look the other way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it shows you the difference between uh, the countries also, because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, like saying earlier how Viz just drops, like, he drops, they drop Kenshin and now Actage. I mean, while Japan still, you know, did Kenshin. I mean, it just shows you the difference in the cultures, per right. se. Though I will say, Viz is not perfectly distanced themselves from Kenshin. Well, they no longer promote it. Or talk publicly oh, about it. There. I mean, is it in the vault? It's in the vault. Uh, All of these works that they have are in the vault to read. Yeah. And not only that, though, you can still buy volumes. You can still buy Kenshin digitally and physically. So mm-hmm. they have not stopped sales of his work. Yeah. So, and same with Toriko, I think, as well. It's still yeah. in there. I mean, Toriko is also a case of they licensed that after all this happened. Yeah. So. They promoted that knowing full well his history, but much like, I guess, Shueisha and everyone else, they just decided, well, we are just 
not going to acknowledge this this author. We are going to consider them before it, and we're going to promote what at that time, especially people thought was going to be the next big thing. And so, that's the scary part with Toriko too. Is like so many people don't know that Shima Bukuro is a former criminal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. to speak from my yeah, I didn't know that till yeah. this podcast. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, I didn't know until like someone pointed like, oh, Oda's done it before. Why do you care? And it's like because that was like eighteen years ago. Do you want me to have like an opinion? Like, I'm sorry, like four year old me wasn't outraged. Right. <laughs> but, like, now, you know, and it just makes it worse because he did it again that he decided, you know what? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure I'm glad I'm friends with so many pedophiles. Let's keep supporting <laughs> yeah, them. Like, yeah. what the fuck? And it's like, like, uh, when you think about it, it's like, yeah, Shimabukuro is kind of let off. So, like, a lot of people kind of just think, oh, okay, yeah, he's off scot free, so therefore he's reformed, which is not mm. the case, as we know. Like, Shimabukuro didn't really get a good punishment yeah yeah all right can you talk about how uh toriko ran for freaking 43 volumes after <laughs> yeah yeah well it definitely seems uh Shueisha is more forgiving mm-hmm. uh i would say yeah but okay so if Mosky does come back like would you like is there a point where you would forgive him no. like if he got better no. later on absolutely not <laughs> that, was a, that was a fast note I mean no. no like I cannot imagine any circumstance like he'd have to do something really big to atone for what he did he'd have to like mm. donate mm. a considerable amount to like some sort of organization that is dedicated to protecting women and survivors of sexual assault he'd have to put in tons of community service hours it'd have to be all be visible right. like mm-hmm. i'd have to know that this guy really reformed and changed his act before i'd ever feel comfortable supporting him and i really doubt that he would put in that work so no absolutely not yeah yeah i'm, I'm on that page personally for me i i don't think i would ever feel the need to read something by him again. Uh, and like speaking of this, I do want to point out that there are other amazing series about acting that yeah. also feature amazing female ca- characters. Like I read Skip Beat recently, yeah. which is uh, extremely long. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but like it is available on um, Shoujo Beat, also by yeah. this. Glass Math is also Another long one, but like it's extremely influential. Oh and yeah, like, that's classic. Mm. I think the anime is in English, but yeah, I, I, there are mm. two versions of the anime that are available through Sentai. You can watch them on High Dive: the '80s one and the <sighs> one from the 2000s. But yeah, Glass Mask is a classic that's going on for 60 plus volumes uh, over decades. Hugely influential, great series. And Skip Beat, yeah, that's another favorite of mine, actually, as a series. Like, I re- years before I ever read Octodge, I was a fan of Skip Beat, and I love that series. Honestly, I think in terms of the acting and the female characters, main female characters, like, I think those series are better. And this is before the accident, by the way, so I don't think I'm. this is uh, any of uh, Matsuki's doing. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely other acting manga out there starring mm. women protagonists and written by, you know, female authors that are absolutely mm. deserving of supporting. You should definitely read them. Like, Get Beat and yeah. Glass Mask are classics. Uh, again, I wholeheartedly endorse them. 
Is Kodocha an acting manga? Oh, yeah, Kodocha <laughs> is an acting one. Kodocha is ah! hilarious. It's wonderful. I love it. It's a shame that the anime is long out of print. <laughs> uh, I hope the manga gets relicensed one day. It's only 10 volumes. I have, like, most of the old uh, Tokyo Pop release. Now, really yeah, that's a, that's now that a out of print. <laughs> lovely one as well. But, yeah, I mean, there's other stuff out there if you're, like, feeling sad about Act Dodge and want something similar. Like, definitely seek those series out. They're not mm. quite the same in terms of how they are written, but they are wonderful stories all the same. It'll fill the void of sadness. Yeah. 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 Or kind of like, for me, like mo- like for at- like for falling in love with acting again, it would be, I think it would be good for me to read and being like, you know what, I, maybe I will think about this. Yeah, I, I mean, I wholeheartedly recommend all of them. I think you'd really like Skippy in particular. Like, Kyoko is one of my favorite protagonists ever. So spunky, I love it. <laughs> Yeah. Ah. Uh, uh, and like, um, I feel this is, uh, me criticizing out into this, but like, mm. I feel like Ronavi is, how, how do I say it? Like, she's really, like, not very emotional. Mm. So I, like, I feel a sense of disconnection with her compared to Kyoko. And like, how do I say it? They're like, the acting in this, for me, like, it's very technical, so, like, I feel like you don't get a lot of emotion from it, whereas I think, like, it should be granted it's it's because it's a negative acting, so mm. I can't say anything. Like, I, I think it should be more emotional. Like, they act more like uh, robots. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I definitely get it because I think a lot of the time the acting was like, oh, the eyes are really intense, which yeah, is a lot, yeah. which I is mean, just like Usazaki doing the work, which I guess that's what acting is. Yeah, the writing definitely had an tourist bent to it, and it's like, oh, this person is so unique in their approach. Oh, they are untouchable because of the the pain that they are dwelling upon, or whatever. So, yeah, I mean that is something that technically other series that we just mentioned get away from yeah but yeah i mean i think another good aspect of this conversation is that hey there are other series out there written by people who are not criminals that are worthy of your support so you know you don't need to feel obligated even if this was series that meant something to you to continue to support these authors because there are other series out there that can fill the niche of what you are looking for and obviously they won't ever be able to completely replace like if you felt something personal with said work like Act Dodge or Kenshin or whatever but there are other stories out there that can invoke the same themes or about the similar subjects and that can fill the void for you and you can feel you know more responsible and better guilt-free about supporting than again something written by criminal authors. And just to plug it a bit more, I just realized Skip Beat is at my library, so I can definitely read it. Hey, Yay! Hey. Go libraries. <laughs> yeah. I guess, like, they Coming still get they still get the money. Like, I, th- I don't know. They have to buy the volumes. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Like, like, libraries are a really great resource. Our library is really into manga for some reason. Yeah. Like, they buy everything. Like, they even buy, Lucky. like, All I got manga. is Black Butler. Like, why are you having this little <laughs> oh. library? Uh, and I would say, like, we're in a pandemic, but also a lot, some libraries do have an app that you can, do, or, like, even just have, like, online, like, an yeah. overdrive thing. So if you're, like, thinking, like, oh, my library's closed, maybe you can do it online? I don't know. Yeah, and a long time back, I think Viz made, like, a partnership with Overdrive, so a lot of their 
books are actually available on Overdrive nowadays. Mm-hmm. Nice. I am pitching libraries right now for some reason. <laughs> so like, I'm always jealous of like your library system. Cause like, I don't know if the library near me is a uh, public or not, but like, mm. I have to pay money to get oh, it. Yeah, I guess like it's very much like a, or I don't know. Like I, I'm in Canada, so I can only speak for Canada. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Library reform all over the world! <laughs> yeah. Like, Starting here! Free access to libraries, I think, yes. very important. I don't mm-hmm. know, it sounds like a Rin's library. It sounds like just a regular bookstore. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Something seems off there. It's a physical <laughs> manga subscription <laughs> service. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bus ticket, you know? Like, oh, you have yeah. to, like, so, like, to get into it, like, once every six months or a year or something. But like, I haven't used it in years because like, because like um, honestly, the staff there is really like it's really not great. <laughs> Aww, they're not even earning their keep. <laughs> oh well. But I think was there? Did we want to talk about the? There was a like the petition. a petition or yes, something. I yeah, I do want to tile into that because. We have been talking, of course, about like these suits created by these problem creators and Shueisha's response to that. But now I do want to address like the content of the magazine and again the editorial offices. And this petition is really great as a call out from concerned Shonen Jump readers about that, like about Jump's history of you know sexualizing underage characters. So yeah, it was a Change.org petition that was set up. It concluded on the twenty first. And basically the title was We Boys Are Not Worlds, Shonjum Should Distinguish Between Eroticism and Sexual Violence. It collected over 4,000 signatures in, again, about a week. It was organized by someone called Nabu Sekiguchi. And basically the petition demanded that Jump include content words or explanatory notes in panels uh, that contain sexual violence. It also demanded jump survey readers about their level of sexual education in order to create expressions of sexuality that can be properly grasped by the audience. So, in the campaign description, Sekiguchi referred to like his experiences as a jump reader as a kid, reading stuff like To Love Rue, and at that time as a kid, not understanding why the content of it, why the sexualization of women in that series was problematic, and then understanding that better when he became older, and realizing, hey, it's not okay to look at a woman's body, at anyone's body, in a sexual way without regard for her feelings or their consent. So, I mean, basically, in such a Gucci is like post, like he really gets to the heart of the matter really well, like. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, we hear people write the excuse of, oh, you need to be able to separate fantasy from reality. Most people can do that. But Sekiguchi makes the astute point that a lot of these elements in manga are not seem really created by people who really understand that difference, but really reflect a general lack of education, sexual education in society. And again, he draws upon his own examples of when he was younger, he noticed, you know, young kids, uh, young boys sexually harass girls and not speak up because he just thought boys will be boys. Like, that's to be expected because, again, a fiction has a very f- informative impact on young readers and it normalizes a lot of behaviors. So, 
Mm-hmm. Like, it is important to teach the right messages. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, again, Sekiguchi really got at the heart of that is like, hey, uh, Jump frequently has all these series that... I think uh, I've mentioned it uh, recently, but, like, I think that uh, Jump, when they say the focus on um, young boys, like, they're really not protecting... They're not actually. They don't actually care about them mm-hmm. because, like, when you think of young boys, right? Like, they don't actually uh, read Sonen Jump for like the edgy fan service uh, manga. Like, mm-hmm. they read it for like Naruto or like My Hero Academia or like right. uh, mm-hmm. One Piece or something. And like, what really makes me uncomfortable is that like, have you heard of the Yuki Yuna Gano recently? Oh, you know the Haunted Hot Springs. Like, oh, it yeah. was a image. Yeah. And oh, it's basically, yeah. like, if you held it up to the light, you could, like, the something yeah. behind it basically looked like nipples on the girl. I mean, even before yeah. that, there was a controversy with Yuna in that they had a very, like, exploitative cover page. We talked about both of these incidents on Mavericks, but, yeah, there was this color page, it was a tribute spread, it was basically all the girls falling from the sky and their clothes were being, like, ripped off, and they all looked, like, embarrassed and awkward. And yeah. that's like a huge problem with these quote unquote fan service that appears in these series is that it's all based on the exploitation, based on the fact that privacy is being invaded, like without consent. Japan, man. It's yeah. not, it's uh. like, again, a voyeuristic fetishization of like, oh, you are peeping in on these characters and you're getting to see them vulnerable in a way that they yeah. do not have any control over. And that is like a huge point that is so often missed is that a lot of this fan service is based on like again characters not being given any sexual agency. Like yeah. they, mm-hmm. those... and, and I can I can definitely speak to Yuna, especially since I read like all of Yuna. But that manga should not have been in Shonen Jump. <laughs> <laughs> it really shouldn't have, because especially I feel like people like. Besides, uh, Shonen Jump for putting, like, really inappropriate content in its magazines. Like, someone, like, uh, someone commented and, like, said, like, like, uh, oh, you should know, judge a series just based on one thing or something. But, like, really, like, does Juki Juna have any plot besides, like, <laughs> edgy fan service at all? It and, does. Like, yeah. that, that's kind what of the sad thing really is that un- the actual plot of Yuna is really good. It's uh-huh. just bogged down by all like the terrible etchy that makes right. it very uh-huh. and it's completely unnecessary. But yet, it's built into the appeal of that series is that it's a f- series built on the foundation of this exploitative fan service, and so easily you could change this by one not publishing it in Shonen Jump, publish it in a magazine uh, aimed towards adults, maybe, and then two completely recontextualize all these scenes so that it is not voyeuristic and it's not exploitative mm-hmm. in the way that all oh, these girls' privacy are being violated. Maybe have them, like have them actually have their own sexual agency. Mm-hmm. Like not reduce their mm-hmm. bodies to like just these yeah. component of parts. Like often in manga you see this framing of like women's bodies being like ogled at by the camera, quote unquote, where you're fixating on just one part of their body and not like their whole personhood mm-hmm. and that is a huge problem especially when you're in a series aimed towards young readers the kind of subconscious messages 
you're teaching them how to look at women's bodies that way. And I think that's mm. the vital point, too. It's like, I, I'm a person that, like, I'm not opposed to necessarily ecchi manga, but, like, they should not be in mainstream <laughs> magazines aimed at boys. Like, especially in, like, yeah, Yuna's... Yeah, like, in Yuna's case, though, like, a lot of its sales, a lot of, like, what made it, like, actually grow as a series was volume sales, where they uncensor everything. I mean, the yeah. very gimmick of the cover is that you have, like one of the protagonists on the cover, like, they're fully clothed, and then you turn the page, well, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. they're all naked and they're embarrassed, because, again, yeah. their privacy yeah. is uh, They're always embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah, it does like, make me think of, like, Chainsaw Man, which is, like, a lot more mature, but I feel like the women in Chainsaw Man actually have agency. Yeah, they do. And also, just, like, in the more recent chapter, like, one of the characters is, like, kind of traumatized, and the male character has to, like, bathe her, and he's kind of like, this isn't sexy. Yeah, like, it's actually sexualizes yeah. stuff at times, but it's done in yeah. such a way that it's, like, meant to be disgusting. Yeah, I think yeah. Fujimoto <laughs> understands that women's bodies are not inherently yeah. sexual, and that is reflected <laughs> yeah. in the series. They also has respect for his character's ownership of their sexuality, like, in Chainsaw mm. Man. Yeah. Even though Denji is a horny kid, <laughs> like, as the series ex- explores sexuality in that series, like, very maturely, and Denji also mm. comes to realize, hey, like, just this idea of, like, sexual pleasure, like, the idea of, like, touching boobs or, like, even engaging in sex, it's not, it doesn't have any meaning, like, on its own without, like, the context mm. of, like, any feeling behind it. So the series, like, actually has some very good messages in that respect. Mm-hmm. In, That's in why, like, summation, I, really, I really love it. In summation, Fujimoto is the king of trashy but deep <laughs> manga. Yes! And I know he did Fire Punch, and I'm kind of scared to read it, because I know it's also very edgy. But does it have a similar element to it? I not have really? not read it. I've read a little uh, okay. bit. From I heard from like Maxi and other people, it definitely is not as good as Chainsaw Man, but it has similar yeah. elements. Mm. Okay. I don't know. Sometimes I'm surprised Chainsaw Man's actually in the magazine. I know. That's what, like, it almost shouldn't be in Jump. But I love that uh, it is because, like, it does have, like, actual good messages. Like, I like uh, the main guy has grown as a person a bit and kind of, like, learning <laughs> stuff about himself. And yeah. also, it's just very funny that his first kiss, a girl threw up in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, uh, this is kind of going back to what Jump represents with, like, their motto of, like, friendship, effort, and victory. It's like... <laughs> Chainsaw Man actually has all those things despite yeah. its, like, weird kind of setup and tone. Mm. Fujimoto mm. broke the system. Yeah, but it's like, when you go <laughs> back to, like, Echi manga, like, say, Yuna, or even, like, currently with Ayakashi Triangle, it's like, <laughs> do we really want series with those types of messages in a magazine like this? Like, Definitely not Jump. Why not put them in, like, Grand Jump or somewhere where it's aimed mm. at, like, and business not yeah. have underage characters <laughs> being exploited. Yeah, that, that see, too I could definitely especially. see that. And like, yeah, because the- like a, mm-hmm. it could be a, a PR move, basically, you know, because like, hey, little boys obviously like seeing that girls, but I mean, it is 2020, and I don't know why, I mean, you could just go on the internet if they really wanted that. <laughs> and I feel like it's young boys, they're not entitled to softcore porn, especially yeah. not in mainstream yeah. media. Like, you don't need that. In fact, is much healthier not to experience like contact slit sexual content. Really, generally worldwide, there just needs to be better sexual education and more frank discussion mm. of sexuality and discussion of teenage sexuality without 
exploiting that or like mm. trying to prey on that like because yeah. obviously people experience puberty like they experience those feelings mm. they should be able to ex- discuss those but you also have to be responsible at educating like again ideas and the importance of consent yeah like mm. especially in the u.s like Sexual education is, like, terrible here. Like, yeah. they teach nothing. <laughs> but it's, like, yeah, like, I, I think a lot of it, though, also comes back to the kind of the whole boys club mentality in Chubb's editorial, where it's, like, oh, let's run this super, like, etchy manga and show all these underage girls. It's totally fine. Like, <laughs> and it, it's... Where's the mentality in that? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. such a bad mentality and like yeah. even when I look at like Ayakashi Triangle which like luckily is not as bad as Yuna in terms of sexuality mm-hmm. it's like it's right. still very obviously doing the same thing where Yuna was doing where it's trying to lure people in to like oh go buy these volumes with all the nudity yeah, yeah. and it's like they oh, intentionally yeah. brought in Kentaro Yabuki to do that because like that's his staple now despite <laughs> yeah. him being a crazy talented writer he's mm-hmm. now been associated with like to love really did to love really and yeah that ah. series also is using this trope of that you know the creator expedition also pointed out is that a lot of these series try to have like women sexually assaulting each other in series as a way yeah. to like sidestep complaints when no like that is still sexual harassment and abuse mm. and that is not okay yeah, in the triangle one, it's really blatant. Like her, fr- like because the guy, the main character gets turned into a girl. Spoilers, and then like one girl just keeps running up to her yeah. and grabbing her boobs, and I was like, I don't, we don't do that. Yeah, it's not like, a thing. It, is it isn't. Series, and, and not only is this sexually exploitative, it also feeds into this predatory lesbian trope, which I really yeah. hate. Yeah. It's like very awful queer coding. Uh, honestly, like. Does jump ship stuff like uh when like serializing these days like realizes like there are actually elementary school students reading Shonen Jump? Yeah, so, like yeah. these are bad. Yeah, and I think and this petition, I guess, like I doubt it'll Shonen Jump will put warnings in. I just hope that maybe they're more aware of it. That's what I hope, and that maybe they like. I feel bad saying like putting pressure on the authors, but they should and say like no. The editor being like, hey, give me another draft without that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the I mean, culture... It's, it's awkward Yeah, yeah. trying to have, like, um, like I would have a, an issue, and I was just, like, the show and jump issue, and I'll be going through it as showing, like, my nephew, like, my hero academia and stuff. Mm. And then, you know, it flips to, like, you know, Yuna back back when hmm. I had that issue. And he'd be like, what's that? I'm oh, like, nothing? No. Like, turn yeah. the page real quick? I mean, I remember I, like, my younger cousin, like, he was interested in Dragon Ball, and... <laughs> You know, I have volumes. I was gonna like give him a volume, but like I can't really give him the first Dragon Ball volume because of how uh, perverse yeah. a lot of that humor was, uh, especially anything yeah. involving Master Roshi. So when I did oh eventually God, buy him yeah. something, I just skipped the Dragon Ball Z because by that point that had faded away. But yeah, it's uh, like it's they know what they're I doing. I read Dragon Ball when I was a kid. When like I bought probably my first Dragon Ball volume when I was. Nine, ten is you know I love that series and a lot of that stuff flew over my head in terms of why it was problematic like mm. a lot of content like and that's the problem is like you normalize you condition readers to just find that acceptable and just oh well that's okay that's how it works in yeah. manga 
or in real life. And that's the danger. I mean, mm. that's what this petition is all about. And why I think mm. it's great that people are stepping up to petition yeah. jump to change their attitudes on this. Because, again, this has a damaging psychological effect in terms of normalizing behaviors. And Japan, of course, has had this huge problem with, you know, sexual uh, assault, molestation and stuff. That's just something that is widespread and mm-hmm. not underreported. And a lot of that is fed into this, fed by this culture of like a lot of anime series and jump series that have like these moments of characters being groped and their privacy being invaded and then just mm-hmm. being dismissed as a joke and not something to be taken seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, sorry, my love story, I don't think it's in, I don't think it's in Jump, because I, I think, but I just, like, it starts with that, and then the main character, like, politically, like, punches the guy out, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think my love story is also in a Shoeisha magazine. Yeah, it's it is like, Shoeisha. It's, 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 I mean, it has oh. a crossover with Nisekoi way yeah. back in the day. I think it's yes. like Margaret. Or just, like, yeah. yeah, just have him show up, and he's, <laughs> and, like, stop, or just, like, I, I don't know, I feel like yeah. Jump needs to have, like, a long, hard look at itself. Mm. <laughs> and, like, the fact so many of your authors are pedophiles. Something is wrong! Yeah. Like, someone yeah. on Twitter pointed out, like, once is too many times. Three is way too many times. Yeah. That, like, I, it makes me second-guess reading Jump. Yeah. And, like, I, yeah. I, I, I love my hero. I love One Piece. I love Haikyuu. And, like, those authors are fine, but just, like, Shoeisha and Jump itself... I'm just like, yeah. I mean, I feel like you can't really reading Shonen Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like you can't really base it off the author too, because like you know, you're you're hiring somebody, you don't know they're they're actually a pedophile. Yeah, that's the thing. But when it's also that kind of thing too, when they're showing all these manga with like underwear shots, it's like you know you're kind of helping that. Yeah, Yeah, it's like the culture and kind of that. There's no like there aren't obviously like females can be abusers as well, but like they they don't have female editors because they don't have they need to understand the hearts of boys. Yeah, and again. (laughs) That's crazy. That's inexcusable. Yeah. Jump is an institution that has lasted five decades. And mm. it is unbelievable that they still have this archaic practice of having this boys club only office culture. I remember back in 2017, 2018 or whatever, there was this interview with TBS with like three editors or whatever. And that's when I first got wind of this fact that they only had like male editors they had no female editors in their history and the tone of that interview when that question was brought up was so aggravating because they were like oh because at the prospect of you know including women in the workplace they were like hey you know this is just how we've done things but oh it'd be nice to have women around just so that (laughs) i could be scolded or whatever like they just like that was so telling of the sexism in that offices that they don't see women as equal professionals, but just like in the terms mm-hmm. of their own relationship and gratification of being surrounded by them. And that was just so disgusting. Yeah, and I remember even uh, the creator of Rocking You, which was running in Jump Plus, uh, Kaori Ishikawa, she like really spoke up about that on Twitter. It's like, wait, you're saying that I am not a real shonen mangaka mm-hmm. because I don't understand the heart of boys? Like, what, what is yeah. this bullshit? Yeah, and that, again, that's yeah. absolutely ridiculous when you think, historically, so many of Jump's biggest hits were supported by majority female fan bases. Yeah. I think Fullmetal Alchemist, it wasn't in Jump, it was in something yeah, else. It was or Square Jump? Enix. So, yeah. yeah, like, wow. written by a woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, how can you look at some of the most prolific, huge authors of shonen manga 
like Hiromu Arakawa or Rumiko Takahashi, who is like the richest woman in Japan. How can you look <laughs> at creators like those who have succeeded and made huge hits in Shonen and say they yeah. don't right. understand how to the hearts of boys, quote unquote, or how yeah. to write for? Yeah, and also, like, clamp. Like, when I started reading manga, I legit thought only women were writing it. <laughs> Until, like, I read other stuff, I'm like, uh... Yeah. And the sad yeah. thing is, too, like, even in magazines that have kind of embraced kind of, like, the more female audience, like, say, Shonen Sunday, which dubs itself as, like, the mm. heroine magazine, they still oh. have horror stories about, like, yeah, Shuritaze. Yeah. Like, she was horribly mistreated by her mm. editor... When working on Arata Legend, her first yeah. editor. And the creator of uh, Today's Severus. Yeah. Like, she also spoke up about that. Yeah. I mean, even for like a, a PR like, thing, I would like, for. Like, I would so, for. Uh, uh, Arata, it's a running Shoga Kukan or like Kodansha? Uh, Shonen Sunday, so that's just Gakukan. Yeah, Shogakukan. Oh, okay. Yeah, like honestly, I've heard so many, so many things about. Uh, that publisher, like, oh my god, and like, it's mostly, it's mostly female, female creators too. Like, um, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's, I think it's like, um, did you know Kaze Hikaru or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I heard a, a story about like, or I heard like there are some magazines that like, for a lot of female creators that um used to like work for work for Shogakukan like quit. Or like moved on to like other ma- other publishers because like um because like the shoujo magazine there like they they are actually forced to like money like jose now so like they can sell well and like they don't want to like write those things. Wow, this is something I want to talk to Sakaki about because like yeah. he might know more about <laughs> it. I mean, in general, mm. I plan to hold a discussion of the broader sexism in manga and manga industry. I want to start off with Jump because of this recent news and because Jump has been as like the forebearer of like the most prominent like brand in manga. Like it's worth addressing their responsibility in this, especially since as the brand their series are read worldwide and they're pretty much the only brand in which all their content is available worldwide, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So it's incredibly important that they, you know, cope to that responsibility. Like, they say they have the social responsibility to drop Octodge, which they are correct, but they also need to look at that and say, what did this author do? How is that reflected in our series, where we show girls also being preyed upon and molested by not adult men, teenage boys? Like, look at that and say, hey, this content is not okay in fiction, just as it is not okay in real life. Can I can I uh, add on to it a bit? Mm-hmm. Like I think that um, Shonen Jump and the way it works, like not only it like it endorses sexism, cause like cause even if you don't have like those sexual predators, like you still have uh, people like um, uh, you still have like you know, comments of like Oda and like uh, Toyama, like really inappropriate comments. And like even, uh, even the uh, sexism in Bakuman is really. Apparent. Oh my god! Don't get me oh, started no. on uh. men have dreams that women can never understand Bakuman. Oh god! Uh, Sagumi Oba. Sagumi Oba is 
incredibly sexy. I'm, I'm so reminded of uh, one chapter of Platinum End where he has one of the characters say, I wish all <laughs> ugly women in the world were dead. Oh my god. Holy crap. Yeah. What again, the fuck? So, again, that, that <laughs> reflects like the, the problem with the editorial is that they let stuff like this fly. How can they... I am appalled like, that oh, they it's could... Fiction. <laughs> I'm appalled that they let stuff as blatantly sexist as a lot of the writing and talk about an oldie series fly. And that is why they need to take a look at their culture, take a look at what kind of content they are publishing and the messages they are sending, right. and they have to address and fix that for the benefit of especially their young readers. Yeah. Keep your fetishes out of your work, please. Yes, <laughs> and get Oba out of every magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Drop Platinum in. Please, it sounds <laughs> terribly. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Like, yeah. I remember, like, um, there's a chapter in Platinum Man, right? Like, there's this villain dude that, like, uh, spoilers, but, like, there's this villain dude who, like, uh, basically, uh, has, like, this power and, like, to make, <gasps> like, uh, all the, like, famous women, like, love him or something. And then there's, there's like, it's based, it's really inappropriate. Oh, and, like, yeah. not there's, like, an scene. orgy scene in, like, the second chapter, and it's mind mm. control exploitation. It's incredibly gross. And of course they uncensor it for the volumes! Oh, gosh. <laughs> like, naked yeah. angels. <laughs> naked angels. <laughs> uh. yeah. To each its own, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I feel like, too, also, like, with the, uh, like, the Shonen Jump department, if they actually do get women working there, mm-hmm. I'm kind of, uh, like, obviously I don't want them to do it just for PR to right. look good, but, like, yeah. genuinely, you know. I mean, they need to be treated well. Like, that's my concern, is that it's not just enough to hire women, but you also have to do the work and making sure your office culture is accepting and supportive of them. Like you've got to have like a positive work environment that right. you know allows your female staff to thrive. Like even at places here in creative industries in the U.S., you take a look at places like Pixar, which is or is like supposed to be equal opportunity. But you have, like, these horror stories of people saying, hey, there is, like, again, systemic history of women being talked over, not their ideas not being acknowledged. And, of course, for, like, most of the companies run, the person in charge repeatedly preyed upon and sexually harassed a lot of women. And it's like people were covering up for him for years until finally mm-hmm. enough was enough. So. You look at all these institute, other institutions, you're like, it's not just enough to have women in your employ. You got to create a culture that is genuinely progressive and that is welcoming and supportive. And you have to put in the work to do that. And Jump has the responsibility to put in that work to do that because of how uh, successful and how visible a brand it is. And again, the reach it has and the responsibility it has to its young readers. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, so that's brings us to stuff like as fans, like I guess all we can do is like what this petition is saying is that we continue to pressure Julia and Jump to make these changes. I think that even if they don't respond directly to this petition that has been put up, I think it's a good like first step of maybe a, a series of campaigns that like fans not just in Japan but internationally can do to keep bringing it up to Shueisha and Jump saying, hey, this is a problem, we need to address this, and we need to have like some actionable change actually happen. 
And it's going to be up to them to respond to that, but I'm hoping that as the cultural climate shifts, they will ultimately have to. Yeah, and I think, like, compared to a lot of other outreaches, like, with, like, sexual violence and Shonen Jump, this is definitely easily the most well-crafted. Especially in previous ones, like, they don't explain what's wrong with it, and they don't really go into really kind of what's the systemic problem here. I think this is a good foundation, like you're saying, like, maybe we can get content warnings in Shonen Jump, or at least, at the very least, like, get the editorial staff to really realize, hey, maybe we shouldn't be putting these things in the magazine altogether. Move it to Grand Jump, move it to somewhere else where it's not going to be in the eyes of children. I think mm-hmm. that, as fans, I think that's really what we really have to hope for, like, meaningful change. Yeah. And then also as fans, in terms of how we continue to engage with Jump, that it's content in series, while, yeah, it's hard to, like, divorce yourself from Jump completely because of how much, you know, visibility it has, and a lot of the series that have run it have left an impact and are good. But I think that it is important to separate Jump as a brand and as an institution and to demand the institution make meaningful change while you still continue to enjoy the series that come out of that institution that are not problematic. But you need to, we need to continue to, of course, petition uh, the companies and the authors individually to like be more socially conscious of like the messages they're sending in their series. And in the workplace in general. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think for me, like, what I hope to see changes is that they would hire, uh, like, hire more female staff. Mm-hmm. And, like, um, really look at themselves and re-examine what are they do and what they did, like, really, uh, really fits their model. Because, like, like now, as of right now, like I feel like more and more people like are turning away from showing job, not just because of all the things that happen, but because like more magazines have like have more stuff that they can read and like relate to, and like I just feel like if we want to succeed, like we should like care more about these things and like really change because like i feel like they haven't they aren't really doing what's really necessary and taking drastic changes absolutely Mm. i really hope this is kind of like an like a realization like a changing point but i feel like it won't be like i i I feel like ever like i don't know yeah Uh, yeah. i definitely feel like they will but Mm -hmm. i mean again who knows but i mean with if everybody, you know, I mean, it's that kind of thing too where Shueisha, they just might be so big that, I mean, obviously people would leave, but they're so big now, I don't even know if it would affect them really. It's a wait and see kind of thing, but like change yeah. can happen, I would like to think, if enough pressure is put on them. Because we've seen that with companies in the past, like at least, again, talking about places like Pixar or Disney where problems have arisen and then work is being put in after the fact to make changes. So it's going to probably take some time and it's going to take a lot of work, but I hope that Mm. we start seeing that work being made 
But again, it's like a waiting game to see how they respond. And hopefully they do actually look at this incident and there's like enough discussion over this recent, you know, past couple of years for them to finally, after five decades, finally, to make <laughs> amends. Only took five decades. <laughs> Not that long. Uh, one of my main concerns is that now, like, the promised Neverland gone, and, like, with the incident with FH, and, like, I'm afraid, like, they will use this as an excuse to, like, because, like, those theories, like, they really, like, are, like, a major, because, like, they have female characters, main characters, good agency and everything. So now, like, I'm afraid, like, they will use this accident, uh, use this, uh, scandal as an excuse to, like, not to try as hard and, like, and, like, don't promote, like, series with, um, female characters as much anymore. Yeah, that is a fear, but hopefully, I'm hoping that they take the opposite approach. Like, they, they start looking at having more, uh, female art, artists working for them, making series with them, and they start, like, having more female lead characters. Like, I think, cause, Art Dodge was successful as one, as a series that had, like, a, you know, lead female character with no, like, actual main male character as, like, the perspective or whatever. Like, just solely it was on, you know, like, in a journey. So, yeah. like, that was a success. They can look at it and say, hey, like, this was working. If we just allow more opportunities for these stories to be told, like, this could work. I mean, again, Promise Neverland also a huge success. And no problems during that run. Like, they have evidence that this can work. They just need to do the effort mm-hmm. to allow more stories to be published in the magazine. Yeah, yeah well, like, one yeah. credit I'll give Shonen Jump right now is that they're more willing for out-of-the-box ideas. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, in Actage's case, it's kind of interesting because uh, the editor for Actage, I believe was Motokoshi, he initially yeah. either wanted Koryama to be the main character or for the main character to be male, but hmm. Usazaki Amatsuki had pushed for it to be a female character. And if they're willing to take chances like that in the future, um, I think we will be able to see another series like Actage. And I'd, li- I'd like to hope that they learn from this experience that they're like, hey, yeah, like a female character is not a turnoff for readers. It is an interesting. Yeah element to add, I mean, and, like, I think it can different bring a lot more unique series. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's that, too, it's that thing, too, where, um, I mean, if you also want to grow, I mean, you gotta keep trying new things, but if you keep doing the same stuff, like, you know, Shona Trump, Shona Trope, male as the protagonist every time, I mean, of course, I mean, you just gotta have a good story, basically. It doesn't matter if, you know, it's a female or a male, but, I mean, it definitely would be nice to have something new, mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think that, honestly, right now, I think um, Jump Plus catalog is, like, as of right now, like, I think, like, Jump Plus run-up, uh, lineup is, like, more solid than um, mm. than the actual Jordan Jump. They had um, Blue Flag, which just yes. ended, which was really good. They have Spy Family, and they also have um, Hell's Paradise, which has a female protagonist. That isn't like in a romantic relationship with the male lead. So like, yeah. love it. 
Mm. Yeah. I, oh, lo- I, lo- I love, sorry, I love uh, Hell's Paradise. It's so uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, manga, uh, I mean, Jump Plus, yeah, they are more experimental. <laughs> yeah, and progressive with a lot of the series they publish. Like, they do have series on there that have, like, female protagonists, like Soloist in a Cage, and again, queer representation, like, in Blue Flag and in Hina Change. Like, yeah. I think we were talking about this with Maxi on an earlier podcast, but I think Hina Change is, like, the first jump manga we ever read where a character outright comes out and says, I'm gay. So, that is a big deal, and that's, like, a sign of change, at least in this online platform of Jump Plus. Like, we're seeing, like, more experimental stories, stories that push the envelope of content, and hopefully that seeps back into the main magazine. Yeah. I think series like Chainsaw Man and, or what it represented for Time Octage, were signs of going in that direction, and I'd like to hope that there are more progressive signs that they will change for the better in terms of content and stories being told. Of course, I feel like a lot of the recent series are kind of a step back in that regard with Hardboard Cop and Ayakashi Triangle. So I I don't know. It's like one, one step forward, one step back. but Or like ten steps back. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope this doesn't like discourage them from it. Like, oh, we tried. It didn't work out. Look what the artist did. Or like, yeah. sorry, what the author did. But I, I don't know. It's good to be hopeful, I think, but yeah, also to yeah. be realistic. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess, like, talking about Jump Plus, like, I have, I, like, a lot of them, I very much kind of view it as kind of a experimental lab of sorts mm. for a lot of different mangaka, both veteran and new. And the good thing about Jump Plus is that they also have a lot of manga from shoujo and seinen magazines on there as well. So it's a, mm. it has a lot of very nice variety of content. Like, as far as, like, uh, ones that we've got in English, like, one that always stuck out to me was uh, Dreamcam, which was one of the debut mm. ones on Manga Plus, which was like kind of a female style initial D. Yeah, which was mm. really refreshing. And I hope those kind of series will seep in to the main magazines, because I think having unique stories like that will not only revitalize Jump, for a lot of people who have gotten burned out on it like me, but also break that kind of boys club mentality that really is plaguing them right now. Yeah, like again, series that appeal across demographics and again, center a female protagonist. Like, I am very interested in the fact that that New World's Hand, uh, Harem spinoff manga is like basically a shoujo isekai. It's like, <laughs> huh, like Which I appreciate I... that experimental <laughs> nature. And the fact that they publish Boys Over Flowers Season 2 on Jump Plus, like, the sequel hit to, like, one of the biggest hit shoujo of all time was on Jump Plus, and that was interesting. And, yeah. It, it's very ironic that that World's End Harem spinoff is, like, actually kind of good. Yeah, it's actually... Because <laughs> if anyone who's actually read the original World's End Harem is... It's trash. It's trash, <laughs> very problematic, and uh, kind of gross. Very yeah. gross. Isn't that getting an anime now? It's yeah. getting an anime, and uh, yeah, I'm surprised. I, I think that's gonna be like an interspecies reviewer situation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Fun like, should be like, nope. Peter Grill's show is like similar to World's End Aaron. Like, so I, I don't know. That's is why. It? Like, it's also a story about like every woman wants to fuck the main character, and they <laughs> make all these innuendos of like, give me your. It's a bunk or whatever. I don't yeah, know. but in Worlds and Harem, they don't have innuendos. 
They just have straight up sex. Uh, well, <laughs> it's well. basically hentai. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So again, it's like I think again that's why in the future we'll probably be doing like a broader conversation about like content of Japanese media and in Japan as a whole and like like uh, issues of sexism that need to be addressed there. But like again, that's why I want to start with Jump and Chuichi uh, as a company because like again. Their work has the most reach, and they have a systemic problem of enabling sexual predators, which is mm-hmm. unlike any of the other institutions, and it is a real problem that you need to look at. Can I can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Like, yeah. Has there been anyone who has uh, been caught with like uh, sexual like crimes outside of Shonen Jump? Because like from my memory, I don't think I've seen like anyone from magazines outside of jump uh, even more like edgy ones or like hentai yeah i mean i mean from my memory i also can't think of any examples that's also one of the reasons why yeah we'll take a look at jump and say what is going wrong here yeah that might just be a publicity perspective because like obviously like news sources are going to yeah, cover but that I mean, more. But I mean, ANN would report on that. Like, yeah, I, that's true. Yeah, no matter how obscure the source, if they got wind, they'd report on it. So, the fact that in the past five years of doing this show, reporting on news, this has, I've not seen any stories come out of any other magazines, but twice this has happened to Jump in the just the past five years. Like, that is Very a concerning. warning sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a red flag. I guess we've reached towards the end of our conversation in terms of things to address. I would like to see kind of a similar petition internationally, like also gauging uh, and petitioning jump. So hopefully that mm-hmm. can manifest. Uh, <laughs> Remove the Watsky manga from Oh, the yeah. Box. You know, that's another thing <laughs> yeah. is that I hope in the aftermath of this, like they removed Doc Dodge completely off of this is Shonen Jump site and app, but Watsuki's manga and Toriko are still on there. Those, I think, if they really are going to commit to being socially responsible, they should remove those too. This is another thing that concerns me, is that, of course, when the head honchos at Jump right now is Sigisaki, and he was editor of Kenshin, so I hmm. have to wonder if there is some feelings there that may interfere, but I... I think that we should do the right thing and take Kenshin and Watsky's work off and discontinue sales. So Yeah. 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 I mean like we, we know people that even like work freelance for Viz that are very like vocal about Oh like, yeah. I mean so yeah. we were listening in on a panel a conversation with a lot of industry folks uh, recently and yeah this mm-hmm. this topic came up and you know there are a lot of people inside uh, the industry working for Wiz who are not happy about the fact yeah. that Watsky's work continues to be yeah. on That's there. what makes me think, like, sometimes I kind of wish I, I worked at these places or something because I'm like, like I want to know the reason why they keep this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in Watsky's case, part of it feels like it's either Sasaki-san's relationship with Watsky or pressure from Shueisha to keep yeah. it around. Because, like, the mm-hmm. fact that, like, Manga Plus put Ronin Kenshin, Hokkaido as a option for what series you want on the app. Yeah. It's like, they, they clearly don't care. Yeah, yeah they can't really yeah. 
they have not read the room, Shueisha. So, yeah, I, that's the one thing where I don't want to be too hard on Viz necessarily, because I don't know what mandates they're getting from Shueisha mm-hmm. and yeah. how that affects how they can respond, but at the same time... Yeah, I don't know, I definitely think Viz gets too much hate mm-hmm. than they deserve, because I know, aren't they, like, owned by Shueisha? Yeah, they're, or part they're owned, a- I think? owned by Shueisha and Shugakukan. Yeah, uh-huh. Shueisha, Shugakukan, and then partially Hakusensha. Yeah. So it's it's the thing you don't know if they have a choice or not. There's no telling. At least it's a good sign that like they were able to remove Octage, like because they they were doing it on all the levels. But I hope like I hope the pressure starts to build and maybe they will be able to remove Kenshin and Toriko as well. Yeah, I hope when the time comes at least for like whether they have to renew the license or not. Like they just don't. Yeah, yeah. Don't Ah, keep it around. I feel bad for the uh, the Act Dodge fans that never caught up because yeah. it's like it's it's never going to be filled up now. That is very sad. Like there, a lot of people didn't start reading Act Dodge because that gap wasn't filled, and I mean, maybe that saved them from the heartbreak of this. So maybe that was a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like a lot Lucky. of those people are not going to read it now. Obviously, yeah, obviously. yeah. yeah. Oh, I saw a lot of comments like that. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Oh well, yeah. at least no, at least like I think it's going to be talked about some other like series that you could read. Instead, yeah, I would um. say Hunter Hunter, but like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you still have like thirty six volumes. Yeah, you can you can buy yeah. all the volumes. That yeah, are by the time Togashi comes back in three years, like it'll, it'll all be good. <laughs> <laughs> or my solution is just watch Jintama, yeah. which sadly doesn't have the legal manga. Yeah, I mean you can hunt down those first twenty three volumes, but yeah, I mean all three hundred yeah. plus episodes are on the Crunchyroll for you to watch. So yeah, mm. and that movie's out next year. Yeah, finally. yeah. yeah. Hopefully oh. Crunchyroll picks that up too. How becomes U.S. theaters? Honestly, like aren't they like there are a lot of uh, samurai manga that are oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, bomb, are those also yeah. On? Blade of the Immortal. Mm. Yeah. That- yeah, there's better stuff out there. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, Interactive. There's yeah. a lot of series that cover similar ground to Kenshin that you can yeah. find oh, yeah. as replacements, and that's true of Octodge too. Yeah, right? I mean, there's less for Octodge, but they're there. Yeah, they're big titles there. like Skippy. Like I mean, yes, yeah, in terms of manga, like there's the most accessible uh, is Skippy. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't even know if it's like it's me now because I remember literally when I first started uh, Kenshin. Um, not a week later, that's when it was announced that uh, oh, wow. you know Watsuki. And then now it's like basically any anything I like, it just it just goes downhill. Uh, so I, 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 mean, I Hunter, just stop liking hasn't things. Downhill, though. <laughs> yeah, because it it doesn't come out. <laughs> <laughs> so everything you love either uh, has to get canceled or constantly in hiatus. Basically, man. <laughs> So don't let me start liking your favorite series. It's not going to end well. Then uh, we got to get you to stop liking uh, Spy Family. Oh, yeah. The uh, Jump Plus is One Piece, basically. (laughs) The day before (laughs) Great Pretender Case 4 comes out, they're just going to, like, cancel it out. Oh, no. (laughs) No, don't say that. (laughs) Also, like, is it just me? Or, like, has anyone feel like uh, this deal, like, is the idea that people keep disappointing. Because, yeah. like, all the big people, like, at least has, like, every other year, like, like maybe one or two, but, like, this year hasn't even, aren't even over yet. And, like, I think, like, all the people I've watched, like, like, a lot of, like, a lot of people I watch, like, have uh, said something that 
really problematic or like has mm-hmm. made me mm-hmm. disappointed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. these last two years, uh, I have. Twenty twenty sucks. I mean, twenty twenty yeah. in particular has been an awful year. I mean, not just because of stories like these, because of like you know people Everything. are dying. It's uh, it's very. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like it is like a difficult thing to always deal with is that when people that you follow and you really like their work disappoint you and betray that mm-hmm. trust you place in them. But I mean, as a fan, you got to do like the right thing and like distance yourself. Like you got to take a look of like, can I continue to support this person knowing what they've done? And you got to look inside yourself and think about like, what message you're sending if you do continue to support them despite what they've done and you gotta make the right decision. Yeah, I feel like that's part of the obligation as being a fan. It's like, you have to realize when, like, someone you admire or someone made by something made by someone you respect has something wrong with it or, like, they're doing something wrong Mm -hmm. and you have to make the decision, is it right for you to support this? Yeah. I mean, would y'all, uh, like, later down the line, would y'all reread Act Dodge? I I can't see myself for a very long time again. Again, it's like gonna take the debt of Monsky. And basically, I can't. Yeah, I mean that's also (laughs) true. There's no accessibility legally. I mean, obviously, piracy makes everything archived out there. But yeah, yeah. I guess like part of me would want to re. I I had just reread the Iron Fan arc, Mm -hmm. but I don't know because that's like my favorite bit. Like really, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, just like when she was like talking to her like stu- her like classmates, and kind of like getting friends was really cool. Yeah. So I'm just like I'm, I think I I it's better for me to kind of just like I'm gonna freeze distance that in yourself. my mind, distance it, and just like yeah. I'm I'm yeah. not gonna buy the volumes. I'm not like I can't, but I'm not like yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good reason why the series was taken off is that now mm. that temptation and just that aching sadness about oh yeah. I miss this series is yeah. God because you can't read it anymore and that's again another reason why mm. I advocate for watch these stuff and are going to be taken down is that like now the temptation for people to get into it or reread it to continue supporting it is mm. taken away yeah. so like none of them think. none of them have probably done already stuff made their that money can on be that. easy to forgive like this isn't like them saying like some shitty comment on Twitter like Shoji Gato yeah, <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> They committed legitimate crimes here, and they haven't gotten due punishment. Yeah, and there are victims who yeah. have not been... I don't know how well they've been helped. Like, So one thing that really upset me about the statement, again, was that they didn't acknowledge the two girls who were affected. Like, they didn't... Again, they didn't address the crime. And there was no statement about whether they will reach out to them and support them. So that's another thing. Is like, I want you to take responsibility for that. And, like, do what they can yeah. to help those girls. Like, in terms of, like, financial support for all these legal matters that they have to deal with, if nothing else. I'm curious, did they say anything about uh, if Matsuki is, like, going to jail or something? That's what I don't, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, you confess. $2,000! Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, that's another part of this wait-and-see thing. Like, we hope for the best. We hope that due, uh, you know, the punishment is done, like, due process and whatnot, but, like, yeah, again, given the track record, it's Easy to be skeptical, uh, and again, we just hope for better. I think that's all we can do. Will Act H be removed from the Shonen Jump Valve and the? It is. uh, It already is. Oh, it's no longer available. It's gone. Uh, Even in Japanese Jump's website, 
it's no, the entire yeah. series page is gone. It's removed everywhere, even digital. Yeah. Like, you can't actually buy yeah. it at all now. No, I mean the only volume yeah. that was ever published uh, is Volume One in the U.S. Yeah. and that is being discontinued any shipments or sales of. So, and I double checked like some databases that track inventory, and it seems like. Viz recalled all of Volume 2 before mm. it got released to retailers, so right. I don't think we'll see any Volume 2s in a while, either. It's no. gone. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm really sorry for uh, the people, again, like, Monty's actions affected so many, so people, many people who are who's mm-hmm. are out of work now and have lost, like, a, yeah. a job. And that really sucks because of how much time an effort they put into promoting this work as well, and to have that all taken away, and a lot of what they worked for being taken away by this is really upsetting. Uh, I'm just looking yeah. on chap like Indigo, like Can- a Canadian bookstore, and it still has Volume One is in stock online, available in stores. Volume Two is it, and it still shows like Volume Three and <laughs> oh, Volume boy. Four, yeah. and I'm like, those aren't happening. Yeah, yeah it's sorry, because like they made mockups already for. Volume four, yeah. Like the covers yeah. are out there, so like they're clearly yeah. working on it, but like yeah, obviously like they, they planned on yeah. I feel bad for the translator, and like the thing is, though, is that like there were the victims, the very clear victims, like the two girls, and then it kind of like spreads out from there, and it's just like. Yeah. I mean, I probably Viz definitely uh, lost some money on that, but oh, yeah. I feel like they probably made up theirs with Toriko and uh, Kenshin. You, you would think, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Viz is. The second biggest comics publisher in the North American market. Like, they mm. are a dominant force in the market. Like, they have one of the most dominant comics in the market, which is My Academia. Like, they are doing very well as a oh, company. Yeah. Obviously, they have to eat this loss, but this was also early enough that this might not be as big a dent as it would be otherwise. Yeah. But yeah. again, like, yeah, I feel like after this podcast, I'm definitely just going to try to forget Actage. I mean, Uzusaki <laughs> yeah. is, Jump is, why not? Honestly, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to, like, set it aside and be like, you know what? I'm going to, that's what I'm going to, like, see if I can get uh, Skip Beat on, like, the library app I have and see if I can just read it there instead of, like, ordering it from the library and having right. to get the actual volume. <laughs> Time for a Skip Beat binge. That'd be cool. Yeah, I, yes. I recommend Skip it. Skip Beat binge. That's a, again, great series. Who did Skip Beat? Nakamura. Oh, I'm on it right now. Uh, Yushiki Nakamura. Yeah. And I think Rain was going to say something. Honestly, I think, like, after this, I don't think I can, like, support Shonen Jump anymore. Like, obviously, if there's, uh, like, anything I want, like, I will buy the volumes itself rather than, like, read it uh, from. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I, I, I can't support any yeah. of this. I mean, and, like, after what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Changes. Honestly, like, does anyone feel like after all this and like with like three of Shonen Jump's biggest series ending, like The Promised Neverland, Haikyuu, yeah. and oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Demon Slayer, like mm-hmm. I noticed mm-hmm. quite like quite a lot of my new shows like have dropped. Really yeah, I definitely. I mean, Shonen Jump definitely has those moments where it's like, you know, nothing's going on. But then, mm. of course, you know, like when Act Dodge and Chainsaw Man came up, you know, they'll obviously get big and then drop off and then a new series comes in. But mm. yeah, it's definitely, I think Jump is definitely at that time now where it's just like the appeal is not really there. Yeah. Yeah. None of the like new, new stuff 
like this year stuff has jumped out to me. Jumped out to me. I feel a lot yeah, of it too is that they've been focusing too many like of the series on gag manga because <laughs> yeah. the thing, I think just the current editorial staff or whatever really likes gag manga. I think they're trying to get mm-hmm. like the next Psyche or Isobe, which is probably why they're mm-hmm. bringing back uh, Nakayama. Yeah, I mean it's hard for me to completely see myself divorcing from Jump. Completely. Yeah. I mean, I read everything that is published by uh, this as a simulpub, and there are a lot of series that I enjoy. I mean, you brought up Chainsaw Man, but I also yeah. big into Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, I think. Oh yeah, that's gonna be hype when that anime yeah. hits. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. JJK is pure hype. As yeah. much as I complain about Jump now, JJK will always be a blessing. Um, and I also, of course follow a lot of the people who are actually working on these series as like localizers in terms of translators adapters mm. yeah. and i have fun talking about these series with them like uh we recorded a episode on kaiju number eight with the editor translator mm. and letterer for that series and that was an amazing conversation so it's hard for me to completely divorce from myself from jump uh, as a brand and their series but like in terms of like uh, wholeheartedly supporting the institution that I definitely cannot do and like mm-hmm. I am like definitely distancing myself from like completely focusing on jump in terms of stuff I talk about like I wanna mm-hmm. uh, highlight and champion other series more made by other creators from other publishers that are like more obscure and niche and really deserve the attention so that's like what I want to focus on in terms of promotion, uh, in terms of like talking about stuff I love and stuff like that. But as a reader, I I probably will continue to read like these simulpubs. Uh, there are series that we are collecting, like Demon Slayer, that we will probably continue to finish out collecting. Yeah, I need to finish my but Demon Slayer collection. <laughs> I do see myself like if Jump did something as horrible as to re-employ Motsky, I feel like that would be a last straw for me and I would probably yeah. just quit. Or if like this would happen again, I mean, I don't, man, the fact that this already happened three times is really wearing on me. Like, when is enough enough? So it's hard because there's these other series written by authors who are not awful that I think are good series that I would like to support, but, like, it's hard that it's coming from this institution that has had this problem. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and before Oda brings Matsuki back. Oh, yeah. <gasps> I mean, the, the he way- turns out, he changed, he, like, ha- he worked as an editor, he worked as, like, a person for him. <laughs> he changed Oda, his hire one time. the Hakka's shadow editor. God yeah. Damn. Oh, yeah, God. like really. Uh Oda just like part of me like I love One Piece. And this part this like really genuinely makes me like question reading it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though like he has no connection to this guy, it like it just reminds me of that and I'm just like Ugh, yeah. I don't know. Just the fact that he continues to go out of his way to rehabilitate yeah. them and then help yeah, promote them. It's just, like I haven't actively I read One Piece in like a year and mm. and the more th- stuff like this happens, the more I think should I really even come back to it at this point? Like, yeah, and like that's kind of. I mean, how he I'm probably about... thinks he's doing good. Yeah, yeah, he probably just thinks like the one of them was someone he worked for when he was he uh, what assistant he was assistant for Matsuki Watsuki. Watsuki. They, their names are just similar. Yes, but yeah, Watsuki, and then. I don't know if he was just friends with Shimabukuro. Yeah, they were friends. I th- I don't know if Shimabukuro was uh, 
fellow assistants, but like yeah. they were around the same age. They came up around the same time. If I recall so. from Shima Bukuro's like one shot from a while back, it was All like right. they met through like a award ceremony mm-hmm. for one of the Jump Rookie Awards or something, and then they became friends through that. Mm-hmm. So like they they just started around the same time. Yeah, yeah. They were peers. So I, I don't know. I just like. Ugh. And it was just kind of funny because I was like talking about like Oda seems to be friends with a lot of pedophiles. And I was like, what are you implying? I'm like, I don't know. What is Oda implying by doing that? Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I'm not saying anything about Oda, but I'm like, he, I don't know. It just, it just makes me mad. Like, Jump just makes me mad. And like, it, I definitely need to explore other series, I think, outside of Jump. As like, I'm reading a few series that m- m- mainly older stuff that's not Jump. But yeah. I need to look into maybe more current stuff that isn't actually in Jump. I just need to find a legal way to read it. But there is ways. I'm just lazy, so I need yeah. to do it. Honestly, <laughs> like, the the one bright side to me reviewing way too much manga now is that <laughs> I get to explore you know so much of non-Jump. And I think mm. that's kind of what's made me less inclined to keep up with Jump Weekly, too. It's like, mm. there's so many other series accessible in English that yeah. are so much out of the range of some, like, a publisher, like, Shonen Jump or Shueisha would ever do. And mm. that's also why I don't try to cover that much of Shonen Jump in my reviews either now. It's like, because mm-hmm. the barrier of entry to Shonen Jump is easy. It's like two bucks a month. Anyone could do it. Yeah. And, right. But like for a lot of these other series, it's like, there are so many great gems out there that deserve more attention. Like uh, one series I really love is Kaiju Girl Caramelize. Yeah. Which is like this really cute, unique take on the Kaiju and the Monster Girl genre. And it's like, mm-hmm. those are the type of series I want to read more of. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Mean, I think what the shame is, is that manga is like an expensive hobby. There's so much out there, but again, a book is expensive, and especially if it's a long series, it can add up. And the thing about this Shonen Jump app and why Shonen Jump manga are so easily popular or like readily discussed is that it is very easy to access them. Like They are yeah. very easy to find financially it's very easy to like read all of it so like that's just why that's out there more but there's just so much else out there there's so much yeah. more to the world of manga beyond jump and mm. yeah i i really wish there were more like visible simulpus uh especially on business part I, I still wish there was more with shoujo beat with series like skip beat and yona getting simulpus yeah. i would really love yeah. that Need like a Shauna Sunday app or something. Yeah, Sunday especially. Mm-hmm. Like I love to read Case Closed Simulpub. Yeah. But oh, yeah, man. I mean, like there are other Simulpubs out there, but the thing is, is that you have to get a more expensive subscription to read them on a service like Crunchyroll mm-hmm. Manga, which is buggy yeah. and incompetent oh, yeah. at best. <laughs> and half or, the time they forget to upload the chapters. Yeah, half the time they forget to upload the chapters. <laughs> or again, it's like a more expensive price point per chapter which is a fair price point and honestly still too cheap but it still adds up uh, searching for a long-running series and of course though there are also a lot of problems with these other simulpubs from these other publishers like uh, it's not a big secret that Kadansha really is underpaying their localization staff in order to get this volume of content that they do out there. Uh, so. like, a, like a certain release that's coming out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see, I would love it if, like, Viz, like, if you got the uh, Shonen Jump app, but then you, like, I don't know, pay a five extra dollar fee for, like, uh, all the other access to their manga. Oh, mm-hmm. that would be a great uh, way to do it. That, that would be amazing. Because, yeah. like, Viz has a lot of really great gems, like, uh, Not Your Idol, mm, uh, yeah. which is amazing. I'd highly recommend it. And that's that's a Shoeisha Shoujo title. 
And I feel like yeah. those are the types of series that need more attention. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they're bringing out more uh, Naoki Urasawa. I think that's how you yeah. say it. His new manga, Asadora, coming yes, out in January. Yeah, that's long overdue. <laughs> and yeah. we also got Muji Rushi recently, and we have the Sneeze one-shot collection yeah, coming out as well. So yeah, they're doing a lot of great series. It's just like they don't have yeah. the same easy level of access that Shonen Jump has, which is depressing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel oh! like... Oh! Sorry, I just realized my love story ended! Yeah. Yeah, 13 volumes. <laughs> it ended a few years I ago. I had no idea! <laughs> There's a binge. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a... You know, it's relatively compact in 13 volumes. It's a great story. Really lovely. Uh, can I also, like, promote Square Enix? They just yeah, have yeah. their line. They, they are a great... Their Gangan line is, like, really great because, like, they, they're shonen, like, actually promotes women. And, like, they have a lot of successful shonen that is written by women and, like, aimed towards women. So, like, they have, and, like, a lot of unique titles, too, that is, like, very different from Shonen Jump stuff. Like, um, Formidable Alchemist is by, is from Square yeah. yeah. Enix. Yeah. And also, like, uh, Soida, like, that's the big one. Mm-hmm. Recently, have mm-hmm. Hanako-kun and, like, Koimiya oh, and, like, yeah. Hearts and, uh, the case study of Vanitas, mm-hmm. like those, like some more, mm-hmm. like some more recent ones. A lot mm-hmm. of their titles are also available in English. So, in English so I should so better I'm... take notes. Yeah, <laughs> like Yen Press and Square Enix USA are, are doing a great job bringing over a lot of Square Enix's titles. Uh, yeah, I know Masaki at Square Enix is like doing a great job of like pushing for more series to come out here too. So I, I'm glad that those types of series are getting a lot of representation as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is just a good call to anyone out there who is so focused on Jump, is to kind of read outside your comfort zone. Because there's a lot of great stuff out there, and you don't have to be committed to just the as you know circle of Jump series. Which, you know, there are a lot of great series in there, but there are also so much more in the world of manga to explore and love and support. Right. Is that a good note to end on? Or do we have any other stuff? <laughs> I think uh, it is a good note to end on i think unless there's any other final thoughts i think in general we covered what we wanted to say about this topic Mm -hmm. and what we want changed in terms of the culture at shonen jump and their editorial offices and in their series and uh, how we hope that this situation with monsky continues to be addressed with him being discommunicated and that we won't see anything like this happen at Jump again. Yeah. Uh, just communicate, just makes me like excommunicated. So just like, <laughs> like get the Pope to like kick him out. Yeah. Even like, I don't know. The manga Pope shows up. Yes, the manga Pope! <laughs> Mother's basement! <laughs> no, Kids don't have stupid hobbies. <laughs> Go watch Tiger King instead, I guess. Watch yeah. Jitaba! Right. <laughs> yeah. Take Do a walk, walk else. outside. Walk outside. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a mask. <laughs> I don't know. Take care, people. <laughs> it's a tough world. It's 2020. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But 2021! Woo! Yeah, we Ooh. can hope for better. But as we continue to hope for better, you know, let's champion the stuff we love. And let's mm. also shout out and champion uh, you guys and your efforts to get each old. So, you know, advocate for the things you love and hmm. so let's just uh ask you guys like where the good folks listening can find you if uh kendra you want to lead off where they can sure. find you in your work 
You can follow me on Twitter at Sniper of My Heart, and I'm on two podcasts. Uh, we covered just the ending of Haiku recently, but hopefully we'll have some more stuff coming out eventually. The View from the Top, a Haiku podcast. You can follow that on Twitter at Haiku Pod. And the still kicking Haiku podcast. <laughs> hopefully I'm not jinxing my hero there, but you can follow that on Twitter at MHAPod. And I've also been on a few episodes of uh, my friend's podcast, Kicking Stones, which is about catching up with Dr. Stone. Yeah. Awesome podcasts and all great series. You guys do great work. Definitely get those old Thank lessons. you. <laughs> and AG, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at your anime guy, where I talk about anime as such. But uh, I also run some fan accounts. So if you see like some random Shauna Jump account, it's probably mine because <laughs> no life here. Um, and yeah. Excellent. Definitely follow those accounts. You do great work reporting news on a bunch of different series. Appreciate it. And when? Where can people find you? You can find me on uh, my Twitter uh, at Winwood's Manga. I talk a lot about my favorite series, <laughs> like as you know, like Haikyuu, Jonah. I also talk a lot about. I also do a lot of social commentary and like uh. Also, a lot of shit posting too. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit posting! I declared I declared war on the number three like this week. <laughs> so I feel you for shit posting. The poor Sorry. number three. It's a bad number. Right. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, definitely check Rin out as well for some great shoujo promotion and a great positivity on IQ and Yona. And V Lord, where can people find you? Too many places. We didn't forget you. Yeah, no, we didn't forget <laughs> didn't you this forget time. time. <laughs> I'm finally loved. Aww. <laughs> Group talk for oh, me, you gotta cut it. Gotta cut it out, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but nah, people can find me on Twitter at VLORGTZ. I'm usually on there talking about whatever I'm reading or reviewing, and also not sleeping, because I don't sleep for some reason. Aww. <laughs> F's in the chat. But aside oh. from that, I also review a lot of manga and light novels over on all-comic.com, so check those out. And I also write Tanami Faithful uh, editorials for TanamiFaithful.com, so check out those if you're interested in Tanami at all. Um, but I also host two podcasts, the first of which is the Demon Slayer podcast, where we talk about Ooh. everything related to Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba. That can be found on Twitter at DSlayerPodcast. And you can find that on basically every streaming platform for podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we're there. But aside from that, I also do the Dumb Weebs podcast, which is a kind of a general anime and manga podcast that I do with a few friends. Uh, we have like two or three episodes out at this point, um, and it's pretty fun. The good thing about it is that I don't do any of the editing, so <laughs> it's less work for me, for once. Must be nice, yeah. Yeah, it's a breath of fresh air, but yeah, you can listen to that on any like podcast streaming platform as well and that's on twitter at dumbweebspod so check it out i also have another podcast coming out at some point but i probably should not say what it is because god knows when that oh. series is going to come out at this point <laughs> well, it's, something to look it's forward a mystery to. mystery yeah definitely check out all these fine people great work thank you guys again for coming on the show talk about this topic oh, yeah. with us and I think now we'll head out into our community shoutout segment and wrap up the show. Dope.
Thanks again to your anime guy, Rin and Kendra, for joining us for this conversation and sharing their thoughts and insights with us. I think we've entered a lot of our grievances and gave world-world criticisms of Jump, and why and how they should become more mindful and inclusive of women in the future. And once again, this is not our be-all and all critique of sexism in the anime manga industry, and we hope by taking a jump, though, we'll begin an ongoing conversation about the issue on this show that we can expand and extrapolate upon in future podcasts. Until then, I'd like to recommend further reading on the issue and the points we addressed in our conversations through our community shoutouts. First off, the sadly evergreen analysis of Shonen Jump 6 for the problem is Anifem's editorial entitled Shonen Jump and the Cycle of Letting It Slide. This article outlines a shameful message and precedent rehabilitating Shimaru growth sent and its ramifications upon the handling of the Waski situation, which was the then recent problem at the time of this analysis being written, and it posed several prescient points that are still relevant with the Monsky situation today, and predictions of how we get off with a slap on the wrist that unfortunately came true, both back then for Watsky and currently for Motsky, so it's a valuable article debunking the common defenses given to excuse these predators in the midst of severity of their crimes, and a call to action of why we must hold companies like Shurisha accountable to make sure they weed predators out of their employ. For Tots, Morning Act Dodge and reconciling having loved the work that meant so much to you with the revelations of the writer's depravity, Jacob Parker Dalton wrote two editorials, one for Autocast and one for his personal blog, Ink and Image, that I think really captured a lot of our feelings and dejected fans on this podcast. Jacob astutely comments on Monsky's culpability and how he failed to conduct himself responsibly on both a more professional level and how his actions have hurt everyone including the Octodge fans that believed in the series and its potential that will now never be realized. As we firmly reiterated, Octodge's cancellation is not important compared to the well-being of Otsuki's victims, but the series did mean a lot to a lot of people. And Jacob's piece does get to the heart of why this news is so heartbreaking while making calls for Jump and its creators to do and be better. Further discussing the consequences of rehabilitating sex spouse and continuing to publish their work, Ash and Taser Lad both made videos calling out Jones' hypocrisy and saying they'd take the Monsky situation seriously and delist Octodge, but a mere three months later, probably publish a new work from their original vendor, Mitsudoshi Bukuro, in addition to continuing to host both his series and Watsky's series. And the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast also comes in on the situation at the beginning of their Woman Called Fujiko Mine retrospective. All of these really do disconnect the message this situation sends pretty well, and raises good points about how to send Jump a message that we don't approve of these series being published and being made available as fans, and how to make them realize they need to stop publishing and promoting these works from these offending creators on moral and ethical grounds, and whether it is necessary to take the step of outright rescinding financial support to them and just quit reading and promoting works from the brand altogether, which is definitely complicated for a lot of people who really do appreciate and enjoy the works from the imprint and from the company, but... At some point, something's got to give. 
And I'd also just recommend that aspect where it's podcast episode for their woman called Fujiko Mini discussion itself. And it's a really great conversation on the series. It also dissects how the series recontextualizes Fujiko and its framework and comments on the treatment of her and women in the franchise and its criticism of how female characters are expected to be seen and written in media. So I think that's quite relevant to our discussion of sexism in anime manga and depictions of female characters in anime manga, what makes good representation. But the ass backwards crew also commented on the Nobuhiro Watsuki exhibition situation on the Justa Gintama podcast and shared their disappointment with Sorachi and the 13 other creators that left comments adulating Watsuki and how, as fans, they're reconciling their feelings on the creators with the media they've created. And ultimately, they reinforce that fans do not truly know the creators of the media they like. And you should distance yourselves from being investive and having a part of social relationship and being protective of anybody you don't really know, especially when they do shitty things. And the complications with divorcing your feelings on a creator with your feelings for a form of work of fiction was expertly described by Lindsay Ellis in her video on the J.K. Rowling situation and the bunking debt of the author as a justification to continue consuming support in the series in disregard of the author's transphobia. And I've recommended this video before in previous shout-out segment, but I think it's still very relevant to this conversation, and it's a good reminder to keep in mind when discussing these creators and their works that did mean a lot to people, people found enjoyment in them, but defenses of the works and whether you can enjoy those works personally should not be conflated with defenses of creators and excusing their crimes and what they did. That's all for pieces addressing the Shonen Jump sex pest situation specifically, but I do have a few more pieces that address or relate to sexism and misogyny in anime manga in broader scope. On the subject of the unwelcoming nature of fandoms, I recently read and encountered an old Pop Matters piece from 2007, but I think it's still a very interesting read now, 14 years later on Arkham's role in fostering misogyny and sexism in the underground comics community, and I think it's a good historical cautionary tale of how women were shut out of a counter movement meant to give voice to alternative voices. Describing the misogynistic contact in the comics that Karamb and his compatriots made in a way that feels very eerily similar to how women are being treated in several male-aimed manga series and in real context by, you know, publishers. These examples given in this article of, of the misogyny depicted in these comics, they're very extreme, and I'd advise not reading it if you might find those descriptions upsetting, because they are extremely graphic, but... I think the ways the article discusses the ramifications and culture incursion disseminated in its followers is reflective of a lot of how the common problems of misogynistic and sexist tropes in anime manga were spread and propagated over the years by their forebearers, and how by recognizing the roots of where this content came from, we can better push back against it, and we can start stopping idolizing problematic creators while identifying and propping up their more overlooked feminist and inclusive contemporaries instead. 
Regarding women have to dealing with sexism, misogyny, and a community's content, though I want to recommend a video essay by Neurality entitled I'm Tired of Isekai. More specifically, this video is more about the frustrations that come with being a female anime fan, commenting on how the previously female-oriented isekai genre has been transformed for male-gazy audiences in a way that has shut women out, the alienating nature of fan service, how few new new anime are made for women compared to men, and the lack of prominence and representation of women influencers in the Anitube community, and a critique of the imbalance of sexist treatment of female characters in ReZero as a particular example in relationship to its male lead character, focusing and honing in on why the male power fantasy nature of the realm confession scene in particular was insulting and infuriating. It's a very personal vent piece about just wanting people to enjoy anime, entertainment, without caveats and preparing yourself for disappointment and being on guard all the time for problematic content that will upset you. And I think her criticisms are going to be very cathartic for anyone who has ever felt the same and educational for those who haven't really paid attention to the problems and criticisms women in this community have vocalized and have had to deal with forever. But speaking of being able to enjoy media in spite of sexist or problematic baggage, there has recently been a lot of hubbub about this whole Lolo Bunny redesign for the upcoming Space Jam, and the response I've seen from a lot of women, actually, is that the design is kind of insulting because it stipulates that a curvaceous Sexy women can't be empowering, whereas a lot of women and girls liked and did find Lola an empowering character as she was. Kate Sanchez of Budwido wrote a really great piece a few years ago called More Than the Male Gaze in Defense of Lara Croft, commenting on a similar conversation about a female character's body, namely Lara Croft, and her piece puts the character in context of the culture she was created in and what she represented in that context of where feminism and women's representation in video games was, making a case for why, in spite of her problematic origins, she remains an important symbol who still serves as valuable representation in media. Considering the aforementioned Lola Bunny conversation, I think this piece is a good inclusion here to show that there are nuances to what is and what isn't sexy representation in media conversation. And that simply dismissing a character because they're sexualized is superficial. Because there's more to what makes a good female character than just how they look. Well, actually, maybe you should judge representation by how a character looks when it comes to character designs rooted in racist caricature. And my last few shoutouts for this episode are going to dovetail and deviate from pieces discussing sexism to those discussing racism. Because this has been a topic that's been brought up a lot lately. And I want to mention these pieces with this episode because the conversation of representation entwines sexism and racism. And Lanesha of Budwido wrote a great piece exploring anti-blackness in anime, going over the history of anti-blackness in Japanese culture and how it is still being reflected in character designs of modern anime that exaggerate black characters' features in way rooted in racist menstrual stereotypes, particularly singling out Sister Crone from Hamas Neverland, who falls into many problematic design tropes for black women in particular. Nisha discusses reconciling being a black anime fan 
the intersection of anime and black culture, how to use positive representation in anime like Shinichiro Watanabe's series as examples of how the medium as a whole can start to do better and be more mindful and inclusive, and how some of the positive changes black creatives in the industry have been making to that end have really been changing the culture for the better. But elaborating on that subject, Anifem published an article recently written by Bracey called Black Should Sound Black, which explored the inherently racist politics of the dubbing industry, explaining why all this concern trolling, dismissing the necessity of diversity in voice acting, really misses why it is so important for fans to hear POC characters in those shows be represented authentically on and off screen going into the historically insular and predominantly white field of voice acting and the awful and racist miscasting that has occurred in the past because of it, as well as the historically racist renaming of Japanese characters to Western names and anime, and how this reflects how whiteness has historically been considered the default lens to see the world, and how unconscious bias is showing itself in casting localization decisions. Not having visible representation on screen and behind the scenes promotes racism in communities. It's important because it affects the conversation. It affects the expectations. It creates a cycle of exclusion. And it makes black and people of color fans feel unwelcome and unvalued. Which is why I think it's important to speak up and not just be not racist, but be actively anti-racist. And make calls to action and efforts to be inclusive. Taylor Cross of the Mary Sue wrote a great piece about this, about how Tanami's Black Lives Matter piece from last June, which was written and edited by an all-black staff on the Tanami team, was so impactful to see and hear. Tanami is a pillar of the anime fandom and incredibly formative to so many black anime fans. So to see a character and programming block they grew up with and meant so much to them, stand by them, unequivocally saying Black Lives Matter, was incredibly important. Taylor describes her own history with Tanami and how touched she felt by their sincerity. No one was expecting Tanami and adults to do this, but that they still put the time and care to do it, in spite of the potential virulent reaction which there was, in spite of the risk of losing advertising dollars, which did not happen, but still. The fact that they put in the effort to do it, to say that this matters, says so much and made black anime fans feel like they were valued and supported. The piece then goes into a discussion of why racism cannot simply be ignored or tolerated in fan communities, and why influential people and entities using their platforms to take unabashedly firm stands like Tanami is so important, and why advocacy is not a one-and-done gesture, but an ongoing effort. Likewise, we will continue to use our platform on this podcast to discuss important issues and be uncompromisingly anti-racist and anti-sexist, encouraging and creating more conversations about topics of inclusivity through several of our podcasts and efforts and initiatives to uplift the voices of marginalized creators and groups in our community. On that note, my last shout-out will be to link to a Twitter thread I made for International Women's Day, listing all the wonderful women we've had on the show as guesting contributors. And I encourage you to check out their work because they all do amazing stuff, both entertaining and educational, and we're incredibly grateful that they've graciously shared their time and perspectives with us on our podcast over the years. 
But as for us, we hope this podcast was a good first effort in tackling the topic of sexism in the manga industry and communities through the lens of Shonen Jump. And we hope to expand and extrapolate upon it in greater depth in the future. For now, though, I just want to thank you for listening and draw the show to a close. And until we meet again for a follow-up on this conversation, you can follow us, reach out to us. I mean, you can reach out to me at Ramiyasha on Twitter. And on many places elsewhere by that name, like Amish Revelation and Analyst, where there's a lot more on show, that's you can find me. You can also read my reviews on knowledge.com.com. We've got a lot of books coming in, a lot of reviews going out, so look for more on there. If you like the thumbnails that are offered this podcast, you can also check out my art on my Instagram, at setartworks, and you can listen to the other podcasts I do related to the show, including Manga Outside Movies, a show where you don't talk back about movies, celebrate them, and sit on the rare occasions we do do a bash. And Lum Squad, where me and Andrew A.C. Shimura discuss the wonderful and wacky world of Robin Kurakashi's Ryusei Yatsura, and we're having a lot of fun reviewing the manga volume by volume, and we're looking forward to tackling the movies soon now that they're on Country Roll. And you can find Lum Squad on Twitter at Lum Squad, and on every podcast platform you can think of, basically everywhere you can find the show. And on that subject, you can find Manga Mavericks on Twitter, at Manga underscore Mavericks on Tumblr, at MangaRadios.com, and YouTube at YouTube slash slash Manga Mavericks. So just search for us in the channel bar and you'll find it. We're on practically every podcast platform you can think of, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and the like. And we'd be grateful if you could rate and review us to help us read more hearts and minds. You can also send us feedback to our email, MangaRadios at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the topic of sexism and jump and in manga and your suggestions for future podcasts exploring the subject. If you want to support the show and help us continue to produce podcasts reliably, you can also become a patron of ours on our Patreon. We have a variety of tier options available for you to choose from, but a wide range of incentives, including our early access to our podcasts at our $2 tier and monthly bonus podcasts at our $5 tier. Right now you can listen to our Silent Voice podcast... A few weeks earlier before it's set to come out, and our current bonus pod series is a manga writer's book club where Doctor and Colton are going through the original Saint Seiya manga volume by volume for the first time. Currently, they're at the start of the Hades arc, and speaking of Shonen series with complicated office representation of female characters, that's definitely a conversation to be had with that series for sure. But on the subject of future bonus pods, we're actually in the planning stages for an anime watch along with Stop Pockets in the same way as the book club format called the Manga Writers Anime Club. Essentially, Colton would be primarily watching through anime he hasn't seen before for the first time for a few episodes at a time, and we currently have a straw poll set up for you to vote on for your choices for the first show we're going to be covering in this format. The options for you to vote on being the original Mobile Suit Gundam, City Hunter, Hajime no Ippo, Bo 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 and Pokemon Sun and Moon. So, if you're interested in us covering any of these shows, simply vote in our straw poll and pledge to our Patreon to hear our eventual and probably long podcast series on them. We definitely have a lot of exciting plans for podcasts coming up in the future, and it's on that note that I'll leave us off on this overly long, long overdue podcast. This has been the Manga Rares Podcast, and remember, support women. Sayonara!